When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just to lay back down and say I won't be coming back Let's call it a heart attack Give me some of that knack This is just a final payback They all flipped on me Took my passions, left me be When I had a place to sit Goddamn attitude to fit Talk real smoothly with a spit Things have changed and I have quit Got nothing to look forward to But backlash full of lies You're too late where you're going This is fate The whistle's blowing It's much too late It's all too late You're much too late Like a piss hole punk With his nose turned up And a fragrance all your own Tell me, tell me what it's like To be alone And let's not forget And welcome to a brand new life, to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I'll be your designated driver this evening. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First time listeners, turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you for your curiosity live and direct and in the flesh you can find the podcast version of this program by searching end of days for further information please go to michaeldeacon.com my guest tonight is marshall masters he is a former cnn science features news producer freelance writer television analyst and the publisher of yaousa.com he has been here many many times before and is a favorite guest here on the program. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. Great to see all of you out there yet again. We've got a lot on our plates to discuss. And don't forget, this is a call-in show. You too can get involved. Don't just wait for me to invite you to call in, by the way. Just jump in here whenever you have a question. That number is 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Now, without further ado, let's go find Marshall. Let me bring him in here, folks. Hold on. Marshall, are you alive out there? Absolutely. My goodness, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. It's good to be back on with you, Michael. We always have a great time. We actually do. We, we always have this um, fantastic program amongst each other all the time. It's a very unusual thing when that happens. Because yeah. every, everything seems to just sync together very nicely. It's simpatico. <laughs> oh, yes, my friend. 
And how are you? Is everything okay, Marshall? Nothing going on? You're not sick or anything like that? It seems like a lot of people are either getting sick or getting over being sick. Yeah, it's been happening. It was for me in February, but this month, uh, knock on wood, doing fine. Just I've been doing a lot of research, ground research for my next book, which will be called Win-Win Dome Communities. And uh, I do a lot of traveling around the country for that. Uh, I've really, in the last year and a half, I've started focusing on stage two, taking it up a level, because I was really, there. there's no point in me doing validation stuff, because there's so many people putting up so much uh, observations and theories and whatnot on Planet X. The noise is tremendous. So rather than compete with that, it gave me the freedom to focus on what's in my heart. No and doubt. it's not you know, it's not running around being chicken little. <laughs> it's about doing something that'll help people when they need it, when the time comes. And so the books that I write tend to be a little, I'm looking into the future. You know, people tend to have a point of sale view. We're consumers. So once we get to the register and our card is accepted, then the problem is solved. And we don't think much further than that. And I am always thinking five, ten years out ahead. And so uh, working on that, the last book I just published, which is Radio Free Earth, and this is for people who think that two-way radios <clears throat> are uh, well, if you think a transceiver is a sexual preference, the book is ideal for you because it's for newbies. And there's a basic necessity for it that people overlook. When they think about two-way radios, they think about old guys putzing around trying to talk to Japan on a couple of watts. And there's that, of course. But it's more that there's all kinds of inexpensive two-way radios that are available. And... The point of the book, the reason why we wrote it, is that in the worst of times, the worst people will have the best radios. And all of, if, if all you've got are red handkerchiefs and road flares, you're in deep kimchi. Now, they're going to come, when they get you, they're going to take you when you least know it, can least afford it, and you're down. You have to have the ability to monitor communications in your area, know how to do it, how to work with it. It's absolutely imperative that you have signals intelligence capability because the people who are going to want to hurt you, take what you have, do whatever you, they want to your wives and your children, they're going to have great radios. And if all you got is a red handkerchief, it's going to blow back in your face. So, uh, you know, for those that really want to take a serious look at that or at least have the book... If you buy it, you have it, it's on the shelf. And when things are going sideways, it's going to get you started very quickly. Go visit our site, RadioFreeEarth.org, RadioFreeEarth.org. You're going to learn a lot from that book. It's going to get you started. It's a great way. And then you'll know how to spend your money so you don't wind up in a bunker or a shelter with a bunch of boxes of stuff and you can't make it work. Oh, yes. We'll get yeah. into that in a moment here, and I wanted to hear your opinion on various topics tonight, but of sure. course, before we do, for all those new souls out there, Marshall, can you, <laughs> yes, can you take us through your background and how you've begun to, I guess, 
connect the dots. And I say that because I'm not quite sure if you were connecting the dots even back then in, I guess you could say, the 90s. Hmm. Well, I was, actually, and that's where it started for me. And <clears throat> people ask me about, is there proof of Planet X, which means they haven't seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes, so, you know, it's not a question for me, and I've always known it was there. I believed the science long before the observations came. But where I really started with this was in the 90s, after Perestroika, I started a travel business to Russia. And your traffic, obviously, is in the spring and the summer. And so I would go in the winter. I'd leave in December and come back in January, which actually was my favorite time. It was nice and clean. And I could go everywhere without a line. <laughs> and uh, the and I like the snow. Are you still affiliated to the Kremlin, Marshall? <laughs> no, you know, that I, I, that ended back in the late 90s. And But what did happen was that in the process of going back and forth to Russia, I was taking Aeroflot over the poles. Right. And I watched the deterioration of the Arctic. I saw it in the first year. It was absolutely beautiful. And by the end of the last year, it looked like the windshield of a wrecked car in a junkyard. And so this was when they were still calling folks tree huggers and I just decided, you know what, if I'm a tree hugger, so be it. But I'm going to believe my lying eyes. We started researching it. And what we wanted to know was, is this man-made? Because the carbon argument for me has always been difficult in the sense that everything that we do could boil down to a couple of good-sized volcano farts, you know? Right. Um, what is really going on? What's the real causality here? And... We were looking at all of these different prospects, and finally, we came across solar luminance, that the sun is getting brighter. Well, when we investigated it, we said, okay, if the sun is getting brighter, and that is what's causing our problems here on Earth, then we should see similar atmospheric perturbations in all of the planets and moons, or minor planets, in our solar system yes. that have even the thinnest of atmosphere. And that's what we found. I mean, across the board, everything. And particularly when we were starting, this is back in probably 2001, where there was a period of warming on Mars that if we had the same weather warming here, we would now be extinct. You and I would be fossils. And oh, so- and, and Pluto this, too, if I re recall. Pardon? It was Mars and Pluto, if I recall. Mars, and that's right. Pluto mm -hmm. was did a swing, and usually when it comes around the sun and it's on its way back out to aphelion, uh, by coming into the system, it warms a little bit. Well, <laughs> it warmed a lot. Oh, yes. It warmed a lot. And so then we saw, like, the big eye in Jupiter. All of these things were happening. So there's no question about there's the solar luminance. Now, for those people who are going, well, you know, show me proof that Planet X exists. And what I'll tell you is there's a single point of truth, a spot. It's like a corner piece of a puzzle. Everything's going to connect to it. And the spot in this case is coral. Our planet right now, more than half of the coral on the planet 
are dead. They have bleached out. Now, there's different ways and different things that are going to cause coral to die, but none of these factors have caused a major extinction. And by 2030, by the way, only about 5% of the coral is estimated to uh, still exist. And right now, there are some very noble people uh, doing their level best to restore, you know, with... Uh, they're actually going out and creating corals to transplant. Really? Like, yeah, like some sort of coral in vitro, you know? Oh. And they're doing this, and God bless these people. It's a yes. wonderful work. Uh, but the fact is, why are the coral dying? So for everybody out there, let, let's work this through. Now, the coral are dying. Give me one guess, and let's go from a guess. Give me one guess as to why the coral are dying. Pollution. That is a factor. It's not the 800-pound gorilla in the room. Next guest. I have no clue. It's not pollution, okay. then what is it? Heat. Heat. Coral. Oh, goodness. Are, you ever heard the expression they use with, with, with kids these days? They're snowflakes. Oh, of course. Because you know, yes. snowflakes have a very narrow uh, temperature range in which they can exist, and you get them above or below that, and they just go. That's it. They disintegrate. Well... Coral are the same way. They're very heat sensitive. They have a very narrow heat range in which they can exist. And what's been killing them is the water on the planet is getting warmer. And that is what is bleaching the coral. So if the water is bleaching the coral and causing all of them to die, why is the water warming? Throw me a guess. Throw you a guess? Yeah, yeah. Just throw a guess. I'm still convinced it's it's by pollution. Okay. Now, the reason why is pollution going to cause heating of all of the surface water in the world? No, of course not. And the surface water in the world is 70% of the surface of the world. All right. Well, what is happening is the solar radiation in the light that is coming from the brighter sun is coming down. It's striking the planet. It's going into the core of the planet, the radiation from the light, and this is causing uneven heating of the planet core. And this is resulting in something I call crustal undulation. Ah. That's the reason why we have all of the earthquakes, all of the crazy landmass issues, landmass tearing, sinkholes, all of this because... Our lithosphere literally floats on the magma, and if the magma is being affected, if there's uneven heating and cooling, a change in that pattern, it's going to affect the lithosphere, which is floating on top of it. That is what's happening. So the, we have the light coming into the planet. It's causing this crustal undulation, which is causing heat to be released, which explains not only why the coral are dying, because 70% of the water, 70% of the surface of the planet is water. So that, in other words, 70% is directly on top of the lithosphere, and that heat's coming in, and it's changing systems within the ocean. But further evidence of that is when we look in places like Greenland, where glaciers are melting from the bottom. That's true. And not the top. The reason why I was, uh, well, not attributing this to uh, global warming, but 
the fact that there's all this plastic that's littering the corals around the Asian Pacific there. Right. Well, the, the corals are, what the, what the pollution is doing is if the coral are already under attack from the heat. Yeah, that doesn't help then. You know, then all the other causalities are going to be even worse. They're going to be less susceptible. And, you know, it's, if you've got a cold, do you want to go through a communicable diseases ward in the hospital? Not really. <laughs> right. Your immune system is down. You're going to catch something. Of course. So yeah. in part, you know, what you're saying is, yes, this is one of the reasons, but But not it's the major reason. Yeah. Major reason is the planet core is heating. Yes. All right. Now, how do we know that? Because we're tracking earthquakes on our website. Go to yowza.com, Y-O-W-U-S-A.com. You'll see our signs articles. And if you're reading and following those, I'm working on signs number 34. This is how long we've been doing it. For a long we've time. We've been tracking two data sets. Uh, one is fireballs, not meteorites or meteors, but fireballs. These are the big ones that burn through the sky, and they're huge. And then they're bolide if they detonate and you hear sound. But we're tracking fireballs because that is a very distinct class of objects striking the planet. Now, <clears throat> what we have found is that data set and the other data set we track in our signs series, earthquakes of all magnitude, is that in 2018, the number of fireballs observed and the number of earthquakes of all magnitude were the highest in all of recorded history. And I'm talking by an order of magnitude, 10 times higher or more than it used to be before December 2012. That's pretty interesting. The Mayans were right. When we started tracking all of this information, it was we got interested. We wanted to revisit Mayan prophecy. Now, prophecy has two elements. It has the harbinger, and then it has the event. A harbingers are benign, and the purpose of a harbinger, it's a sign of things to come. You know, seven, seven lean cows, seven fat cows. Remember that from the Bible? Oh, yes. Same difference. Okay, so... The Mayans and the ancient were like all the ancients, they used the stars. They understood the stars, they observed them, and they knew where things would be. And so they were telling, sending a message forward in time to their descendants that when they saw a certain celestial alignment, that they were on the timeline of a catastrophic event. Well, when we started looking at the data for fireballs and for earthquakes of all magnitudes, everything was slowly, slowly, slowly inching up and not much different than right after December 21, 2012. Everything went ballistic. Yes, it did. And you know what? It's not slowing down. It keeps getting more and more and more. And right now... What I'm going to be writing in this is that uh, the evidence that we're seeing in our uh, fireball data set is suggesting to us that we could have an impact event. We know there are 
have been impacts and they have been suppressed. And as long as they're falling in remote areas, they'll suppress them. But all it takes is for one good hit and then it's no longer a manner of suppression. Let's talk about uh, the impact in Russia in 20, in the airburst in Russia in 2013. Yeah, that was actually pretty good footage. But before we do, um, as we were talking right now about the 90s and disaster, uh, uh, these uh, 2012, I, I went back in my mind for a moment here and I was instantly thinking about the movie Deep Impact. And, of course, the movie Armageddon, which uh, both came out around the same time. And, right. yeah, it's pretty interesting how both of these films were just as popular as they were. Same with 2012. It was also pretty damn popular when it came out. And after 2012, uh, it seemed like a lot of people were even disappointed because they were told or they read something and they thought something was actually going to happen that that year and then nothing happened. Some people were even disappointed. Some people actually want the end time scenario to actually take place, Marshall. Yeah, and I think that's sick. It's pretty crazy, <laughs> I don't want right? It to happen? I don't want it to happen. I don't either. But, you know, for me, it's I see it coming. It's unavoidable. But right now, for me, it's not about is Planet X real and is all this going to happen? That's all a given to me. I saw it December, I mean, September 9th of last year. I was up in Warden, Washington with one of my really good researchers. This gal is Cracker Jack. She did emergency state planning. Uh, this is, you know, this is someone who is really sober and level-headed. We're coming back from looking at uh, uh, an archaeological site, and all of a sudden, I'm sitting in the car, and kind of, I love it when somebody else drives. At my age, it's like, I'm not going to say, I got to have the keys, Dad. You know, you want to drive, God bless, go. And so I'm sitting there, la, 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 and all of a sudden, <laughs> she goes off crazy. Yes. I see it. I see it. Ah, like that. And I'm like, what? You know, she pulls off. She finds a side road between two fields. I look out my right. The sun is just about to fall below the horizon, so this is the only time you can see it naked eye. Otherwise, you need a smartphone, and and you want to, you know, iPhone 6 or 7, in other words, any generation iPhone 6 and above is going to give the best results. Yes, I remember you telling me about that, that yeah. you actually observed it yourself. I did, and when I saw it, uh, and she saw it, I jumped out of the car, and... Um, you know, it was right there relative to the sun near the noon. And uh, I, I look at thousands of pictures people sent me over the years. So I don't sit there and talking to myself, what am I seeing? Uh, when I'm looking, I go into scan mode. And all I'm literally doing is scanning, you know, right down the image. And I'm looking for details. And I put that into my memory. So I'm seeing the details very clearly. And I focus on that. And I did, and everything was there. It's the right object. She saw it in the same place as I did, so I know. And I'll tell you something. You can go on YouTube and watch 10,000 hours of fear bait, you know, fear porn and clickbait. Right. You're going to believe it, okay? Not until you see it with your own eyes. 
And that's the fact of it. Now, I believed it because I'm a science guy. And actually, I believed it long before there was actually observations. What we found was in 2008, when NASA published some uh, the observation data from the Ulysses Solar Probe, that was when we had our smoking gun. And we knew it was there. We did it by the science. But other people, it's hard for them to trust science. It's hard for them to believe it. And especially if you don't come from that culture. So the thing for your listeners out there is, and, and I put up an article on my, my, on my website, when will I see Planet X? Okay, If you're asking the question, go to my website. I put it up there, and there's a lot of good information. It shows you a, sum, a summation of our body of work over the years. And then I tell you, what you want to know, the question yes. everybody want to know. Yes, that's that's actually the question everyone here, well, not here, uh, a lot of the listeners, rather, they have always asked me, when will they be seeing this object? Uh, and almost any time I announce that you're going to be here, I, I at least get three or four different emails from just random people asking that question. Right. right. So what I'll tell you is the answer is on my website. Go to YOWUSA.com. First article at the top. Yes, and you don't generally give any prediction dates. Never have. It's the first one. It's the first one I've done. And I did it because, you know, I'm I'm tired of the question. Yeah, it gets asked all the time. You know, I understand why. I And so what I did was I'm looking at my work, I'm looking at other work, and but my my prediction is based solely on what we have published on YOWUSA.com. It's based solely on that. And I've been, you know, since 2013, I've been publishing observations of Planet X. Back then it was, uh, in 2013, it was the, we were spotting it briefly. It was very small uh, from Turrialba, a volcano in Costa Rica. Right. And uh, we've been tracking it through the years. And, but again, I mean, I, I put this, you know, the article's got everything in there. It's got the science, it's got the observations. And in the final analysis, though, your listeners, each of you, you have to decide when are you going to pull the trigger here? When are you going to start preparing? Because the reason why people want to know exactly when is that they'll mark it on the calendar. And they'll go, aha, I know my credit card billing cycle. I'll max the cards just before it's the end of life as we know it. And ha ha, I stick MasterCard and Visa for the bill. Yeah, that's another thing. Why prepare? That's another question that is widely asked. And uh, well, from political to social upheavals and mm -hmm. uh, economic uh, meltdowns. And of course, we have Russia, China, Iran, North Korea. Uh, the fear of an EMP, uh, there, there's plenty of reasons to prepare for the future, not just solely on Planet X, but for many other factors out there. Yeah, you know, in uh, in our book, uh, Radio Free Earth, uh, we actually have three entire chapters in the book devoted to EMP and how you deal with EMP to protect your electronics. All right? And it's... I mean, literally, there's enough information in those three chapters. I could have done a small book on that alone. Yeah, let's talk and, about EMPs for a moment here, Marshall. Yeah, and let's do that because 
uh, right now we're I'm working on a whole for the win-win and I've got to with communities and find something that people can gravitate to now uh, there's a fellow by the name of Fortune who wrote a book one second after and it's become a trilogy uh, Newt Gingrich wrote the forward to the first book everybody in Washington read that book really and this yeah oh, wow. it was huge and the book was a scenario of um, this was somebody in North Carolina north of Asheville and actually I've been up there and I've done a reconnaissance in that area and it is incredibly survivable as it is in this book um, but it goes through the whole book and what happens is it starts with Iran and North Korea launch intermediate ballistic missiles scuds into the US at extremely high altitude and detonate them and the warheads are designed to create maximum EMP and what happens is it blankets the whole country with an EMP burst and everything comes to a screeching halt all the electronics all of our digital electronics dead because it's all vulnerable to EMP grid dead and he based this book, the premise of this book, on a report generated by a congressionally funded study group, the EMP Commission, which was funded in 2001. And what they determined, one of the gentlemen on that committee, after they published the results, when he was testifying before Congress, they said, what will happen if there's a catastrophic failure of our power grid? Yeah. And he said, nine out of 10 Americans will die. That's the truth. That is the truth. And that was in the book. Now, here's the interesting thing. The, the EMP commission during the Obama years was almost completely destroyed because Obama did, didn't want people to know that. It didn't fit with his narrative. Okay? And what they were, because what they were saying was that the technology exists that we can protect our nation's power grid from an EMP event for about the cost of the wall, about five, six billion dollars. At that time, three billion. So give it a little bit of inflation for time, about the cost of the wall. Understood. Well, it has, it has never happened and it will never happen because energy companies are unregulated. And the last thing they want to do is allow the government to come in and implement this protection scheme because now the government will have an entree to regulating them, and they don't want that. On the other hand, they don't want to spend the money for the protection. They'd rather spend money for K Street lobbyists to go up and down the halls of Congress going, leave this alone, leave this alone, don't touch them. And so actually... Uh, more money is being spent on keeping us unprotected than anything else K Street's doing right now. All right? This is sick. This is sick because if you read Fortune's book, the first thing that happens is anyone who's pharma-dependent is dead. For example, diabetics. 
in the book. It says the doctor knows exactly when everybody's going to die because he knows how much insulin he has and how long it's going to take for that before it. That's not enough to keep people alive. And then they start dropping like flies. So diabetics are going to die. If you are in dialysis, you're dead. If you have a pacemaker, you're dead. Anything that requires power, you're dead. Okay? And that was an outcome that the science is very clear. Yes, that's what will happen. But what the EMP Commission was having a very difficult time with was people, it just, they couldn't get their head around 9 out of 10 Americans dying. Their eyes would roll up. They just couldn't believe it. They'd go into cognitive dissonance. You know, that's really and, the most realistic situation, uh, an EMP attack. Yes, it's very realistic. And EMP is going to happen even if it's a nuclear attack. And if it's an airburst, you're going to have that EMP. And that could take out a whole region. And so this is a very, very serious, serious concern. And politically, our butts are hanging over the line. And I just can't understand the people in these power consortiums. Don't they have children? Why are they monsters? Why are they sentencing all of these kids who are diabetics, all, everybody who's diabetic, why are they sentencing them to death? And everyone else that's pharma-dependent. It's a terrible thing that they're doing. But that's the way it is. Now, in 2017, though, EMP Commission finally found an explanation that would help people get past the eyes rolling up. Okay? And they said, why are all the people going to die? Because over 100 years ago, there were only 60 million Americans in America, and each and every one of them knew how to live without electricity. Well, those days are long gone, Marshall. Absolutely. <laughs> and so now it's a matter of being prepared. You know, preparedness is not a person, place, thing, or time. Preparedness is a state of mind. And if you're looking at fear porn on the Internet because it's exciting and entertaining, don't fool yourself into thinking you're doing something intelligent. You are mentally masturbating. Enjoy it. Yes, and of but course. that's what it is. Yes. If you are preparing your learning skills, you're thinking about things, you're, you're learning how to use radios, you're learning how to make a, a, a campfire in cold weather, you're learning how to do this, you're teaching yourself gardening. I, I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do to make yourself independent and self-supporting. We don't do it. You know, we get distracted with our entertainment and our toys, and we go to the mall, and that's about the end of it. All right? And so when people, getting back to the question, when are we going to see it, my answer, my question back to them, I get this, and I get these questions in the email. I'm sure you do, yes. And you know what I always respond? What are you doing to prepare? Please be specific. I don't hear back from them. Never do. Yes, I don't suppose you would after that. That's right, because they're not preparing. And so imagine here you are and you're going, well, this is interesting. We're hearing this Marshall Masters character and I've there are other ones and blah, blah, blah. But it's like UFOs. There's enough photographs of UFOs to 
that that would reach higher than Mount Kilimanjaro. You know, I mean, huge, right? Right. It doesn't matter. They got this mountain of photograph, mountain of evidence. And what do people say? Well, I don't know. I haven't, uh, you know, I've heard about it. I don't know. Okay, so they don't want to believe. All right, same thing with Planet X. They're going to say that. But then when you do see it, then the question's going to be is, are you prepared for what you see? Because when you see it, you will know this is death coming. Yes, and, and no, Marshall, it is death. Marshall, by the way, going back to some of these disaster scenarios, I'm curious if a solar flare would be anything that would be deemed problematic. Oh, God. It is one of the most critical things right now. And uh, we're going to have terrible, terrible solar storms, CMEs, Earth, you know, <clears throat> and they're going to be Earth-directed. Now, the thing about a solar storm, if it... If you're not in the crosshairs, well, you get a little bit of fringe element stuff, but you're not in the crosshairs. You know, it's you're out on the rifle range, and either your bullets are, you know, in the dirt or on the paper. That's it. If it's on the paper, you can score. And, however, for us, if we're there, it's a real nasty thing. Now, in 1859 was what's called the Carrington event. Right. And this was... Five years into telegraph systems, which were up in the United States and England, Europe, and this storm was so huge, it set fires on both continents all along the lines because the lines were, the, the wires were arcing and melting and setting fires. In the telegraphy, you know, in, in the telegraph offices, equipment was damaged and people were electrocuted. Sounds like fun. And Oh, yeah. You know, it was a real yada yada hit. And everybody was able to just get back to work after a few days. They cleaned up the mess. Nice old analog stuff. If that happened today, the Carrington event happens today, then what do you have? You have the exact same scenario you see in Fortune's book because it will take out the grid. And that's a real problem for us because in you know, there was a time in our country when we made our own transformers, and they were smaller and easier to replace. But now uh, we've gone to these big, massive super transformers. And guess what? The only place they're made is in China. Oh, how, how lovely. Yeah, so the grid goes down, burns out, the, the transformers are toasted. Uh, the Chinese, they get their manufacturing back up again. They're going to take care of themselves first. So it could be years before the grid is restored, and I don't think it ever would. And Probably not, yeah. So we need to be self-reliant. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to be prepared. You know, it's frustrating for me because people are not grasping. We don't need to die like lemmings. Well, it's Nine out of ten of us do not need to die. This is something that isn't widely talked enough about. And That's just right. just another weirder thing to even throw That's... in here, Marshall, is the fact that we have 104 nuclear reactors in the U.S. Just imagine if any of those go down or blow up. Oh, grid goes down. We're going to have Fukushima's all across the country. And because, yeah, they say, well, we can scram the reactor. Yeah, they can do that. 
But it takes a couple of years to cool the core after you scram the reactor, which means that you need to continuously run cool water. And if you don't have a working grid where you can get the power to do that from another plant, then what happens is the same thing you have at Fukushima. Yeah. Fukushima, we had three reactor cores, went China syndrome, melted through, and they are now beneath the plant. And beneath the plant, where they put it in their infinite wisdom, I don't know why, but when they built the plant there, they built it on top of an underground river that empties into the Pacific. And so this radiation is continually trickling down into this river, and it's radiating the Pacific. Literally, Fukushima is an out-of-control nuclear volcano. And we're going to have the same problem here. They're, these reactors are going to fail. They have to. And then there's not going to be any energy to do it. And it's think you know. And also, you got to remember, you got outside. You have the cooling ponds for the spent cores outside. Big difference between Japan and us is that the Japanese didn't let their spent fuel pile up. We do. We have huge piles of it because everybody is, you know, not in my backyard. Don't don't put this stuff here. And then they find that they built this facility in Nevada and there's a fault line under it. So it's all kinds of problems with it. And that's the reason why I tell people, if you, wherever you're going to locate, make sure that you're at least 50 miles upwind and 100 miles downwind of any nuclear power plant or weapons facility plant. Well, I'm kind of screwed, Marshall, since I live close to San Diego, and there's a nuclear reactor there. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty screwed. Dumb luck, that. Um, oh, yes. You know, it's something something you need to consider, and so it's people need to start looking at what's my plan B. And yeah, it's important, Marshall. And when do I go? Because if they don't, First off, what will happen is uh, you're going to have major dense population centers along the coastlines, and folks, they're going to want to move out of that to go into the countryside. What will happen is then you're going to have refugees pouring over the countryside, and they're going to be hungry, Yeah. and they're going to be like locusts, and they're going to go into all the farming areas and devastate them, and then we lose the farming areas. And there will also be a lot of confrontation. Uh, you'll see, like in Nevada, people live in Reno. They look at 80, and it terrifies them because they know if the San Andrea pops, there's going to be millions of refugees That's true. down 80. And also FEMA, I'm not quite sure if you want to take your chances up with them. Yeah. I mean, the government's going to be overwhelmed. Everything's going to be overwhelmed. Uh, what you will find is they're going to be people taking things into their own hand. They'll find dynamite to blow bridges. Uh, they'll have chainsaws to fell trees. They're going to create natural you know, roadblocks, anything to slow it down. Uh, it'll get an ugly situation. And if you're not prepared for that, then it's going to be pretty bad. And I, I hear people all the time, uh, with the bravado, if it's going to be that bad, then I just want to die. And some people do. Some people do. Amazing. And, you know, it's like when I hear that, and you know, I was remembered 
a few years ago, uh, I was on another show, and a caller said, well, if it does that way, uh, I just want to die. And I just said, you know what? It'll be a global catastrophe, which means the majority of humanity will die. So I want to congratulate you and thank you for standing up to be one of the first lemmings to fall. Right. right. And, uh, you know, that was it. Click. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. There, right there. I was like, next caller, please. And so you have that mm -hmm. hypocrisy. And don't tell me if you're saying, well, when it happens, I just want to die. If you're standing out on the street and you see a wall of water coming up the street, are you going to stand out there in front of your family, your spouse, your children and say, by God, I said I wanted to die pointlessly just this way. And I want the world to know my last breath on this planet is that I meant it. I want to die pointlessly. And I'm really sorry you guys are going to go with me. All right. Are you going to do that? Or are you going to be running uphill screaming feet don't fail me now? Okay. People don't think that far. They don't think any we're consumers. We're taught not to think beyond the point of sale. Right. And because we, if there's a problem, it's yes. Amazon Prime and we send it back. <laughs> That's true. And we can't stop or control any of these events. But of course, we can only prepare to survive them. And of course, they're exactly. right. And then there are those individuals out there. We won't mention any names, but they are making a pretty penny off of those underground bunkers and quote unquote survival shelters. Uh, Marshall, I definitely want to have uh, your pick here and what you think about these things. Well, that's what I'm doing right now is um, this win-win dome project. And uh, because it has to be church-based, not commercial. Um, I've been in a lot of bunkers and I've looked at a lot of this stuff. And with commercial, the first thing you have to understand is commercial builders are working on a jeweler's markup. Two have, key, three Have key. you seen the prices though, Marshall? My God. Well, what you have to understand with the prices is for every $3 you spend, $1 actually goes to keeping you alive, and the other two go to profit. That's true. Double-edged okay, sword so you there. you've got to understand, which for you translates into convenience. Yeah. Because you're paying, what you're really doing is you're paying $1 to survive, and you're paying $2 or somebody give you a cock and bull story that makes you think it's going to work that way. All right. Let's talk about, there's the ones with everybody asks me, and I won't mention the company, but the one where it's out in the middle of the country and it's an army ammunition supply depot with these big ammunition bunkers. Ah, okay. Okay. Let's yes. talk about those, for example. No problem. Because I was actually with another radio host, and he was getting really pitched on this, and uh, he was thinking about it. I sat down with one of my researchers, and we had a conversation. We started asking questions. Marshall, they actually had reached out to me as well and invited me to go up there, but I declined. All right. Yes. Well, smart for you. Continue, let's, Marshall. <laughs> let's, let's go through this. Yeah, please right? do. Now, <clears throat> first off is sanitation. You have to have waste management. You need to have water, electricity, and it all needs to come into each of these shelters, okay? They don't have it. What you get is what looks like a concrete Quonset hut, big circular building, and you go in and it's just a concrete floor and a concrete shell on top of that. Yep. Now, 
How does it protect you? Remember, you're going to have solar radiation coming down from the top, but also you're going to have meteorite showers, rocks falling, okay? Well, and when the Army builds these bunkers for ammunition, the sidewalls are really thick, but at the top, it's really thin. And there's a reason. If the ammunition cooks off and explodes, it's going to follow the path of least resistance. And because the, the ceiling is very thin, then that's where the energy is going to release. It's not going to blow sideways. It's going to blow up. And it contains the disaster. So first off, these things where you need the most amount of safety is above your head. All right? Not on each side. Now, you have this thing. There's no toilets. All right? Now, you know what the definition of civilization is? Tell me. A warm place to go to the poop. Okay? That's civilization. A warm place to poop. And that means plumbing. Of course, yeah. That means HVAC. That means a lot of things. Okay? Hazardous material there. Yeah. Well, these shelters, they don't have any air systems. Okay? And they have no sewage and there's no water running to it. So, where's the porta potties? What, everybody's going to be sit there, and let's say it's two or three, four years, and two or three, four years of people emptying their compost toilets. Uh, next thing you know, you guys are going to smell like sewer city out there. But here's the real risk of these things, because they sell them to everybody, and, you know, they don't sell them turnkey where you go in and everything's there. It's you get the shell, and then, wow. You can put 55-gallon drums in there. Oh, whoop-de-doo. All right? The best thing for something like that and what people do for survival situations, they like to look for properties that have large natural caves, ideally something large enough that you could drive a Class A motor vehicle into. All right? Or at least put a fifth-wheel trailer because this is now you have something that's totally contained. Now, you can go out and buy old travel trailers and fifth wheels that are older than 10 years pretty doggone cheap because you can't take them into most uh, parks these days, RV parks. They want newer stuff. And also with the older ones, you have a problem with roof leak. But if you're going to park it under a shelter, what you have is a completely contained house. The problem with these bunkers is they're designed for what's called a 548 tracked vehicle. It's what the military uses to pull, to, to carry all this stuff with. Good old classic design. Well, that design is not going to give you the dimensions you need to back in an RV or a trailer. And so you can bust out the walls, but now you can't seal it off. And so that's a problem. So what you have to do is fix up the interior, and you got to get your energy, and you got to get your water. They're saying they have two 900-foot, 9,000-foot artesian wells. And we're still talking about the same company, correct? Right. Okay, well, well, this company claims, the one that we are talking about here, they claim they do have the toiletry. Haven't seen it, and if they have toiletry... That's that. But are they saying it's complete turnkey where they provide you with all your supplies? I'm on their website and I'm looking and I don't I don't see that here listed. Okay, let's talk about that because that's the real that's the real one that's, that's a, a kicker. That's the main concern okay. in my book. 
Absolutely, and here's why. Everybody for himself. That's what it's all about. You're, you're in a community of everybody who's in it for themselves. You're not in a community of people who are saying, we're going to deal with this as a community. And so what happens? Things start going sideways. You go, you get into your bunker, you've done your homework, you got all your food, you got water, you got everything. Trust me, whatever you got, everybody else is going to know. This thing about being anonymous and moving it at night or whatever, people sneak and snoop on everybody else. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so there you are in your bunker. Next thing you know, comes a knock at the door, and what do you got? Some darling little gal has got an infant in each arm, and she's going, my husband was laid off from work before we could stockpile all of our food, and if I don't feed my babies, we're going to die. Please, you have so much. Share what you have with us. Now, you'd start doing the math. You start sharing what you have with everybody else. You don't live so long. And you did this because you want you and your family to live. And so you say to her, honey, the rules are everybody has to provide for themselves. I'm sure you'll find a solution to this. But you got to do the rules. Thank you so much for dropping by. Nice kids. And you close the door politely. The next time, there's another knock at the door. Except this time, it's the husband. He's got a double barrel shotgun in your face. And he goes, you're a stinking filthy hoarder. Boom! <laughs> and your brains are in the wind. The imagery. Okay. Your brains are in the wind. And you know what? Everyone's going to come and take a spoil. And they're going to go, great, thank you for blowing away the filthy, miserable hoarder. Those dirty hoarders, yeah. The dirty hoarders. And so this whole thing is a setup to fail. And, you know, in my book, Surviving the Planet X Tribulation, I wrote it for faith-based church leaders because churches are the ones that could do it. You want to learn how to survive, how to get through this in a community, you read my book, Surviving the Planet X Tribulation. And we both know people are not going to be playing by the rules. Absolutely. People are going and to go so nuts. What I am saying is you organize as churches. Churches have three distinct advantages. They have an existing chain of command. Yeah, everything's political. What's not? But they have an existing chain of command. Two is churches are excellent in dealing with catastrophes. It could take them 30 years to find the money to build a library, but if there's a disaster in the area within three days, they're out there helping people, all right? And they're doing God's work, and bless them for doing it. And the third thing is diversity of skill sets. For-profit companies are going to have the skill sets you need for specific things. But Marshall, I just and, I, I need to I need to interject really quickly here, Marshall, and say, but what about those that are atheists or Satanists? Are they allowed into these groups? They can go form their own atheists and Satanist churches. Oh no! I'm talking about <laughs> you know. Look. Michael, I'm not a government. I don't have to save everybody. That's true. I'm an author, and I can talk to the ones I think I can help. Because the bottom line is, it is going to be a, a catastrophe. People are going to die. And as far as it goes for atheists, you know, there was that old line. I really liked it. Uh-oh. Nietzsche said, God is dead. God <laughs> said, Nietzsche is dead. That's a good one. 
But yes, okay. I, I'm only going back to how people are going to act when, you know, the proverbial hits the fan, as they say. Yeah, when the guacamole hits the fan. Oh, yes. Well, the uh, the looting you know, and the rioting and people stealing and killing. We're going to see a lot of that when the yeah, end is here. Yeah, and it'll turn, you know, the people who are not prepared for it are going, they're going to be in one place, and the people who are prepared are not going to be anywhere near them. And that's just the bottom line, is that, you know, the folks that are telling you they know better, they're the ones that are going to be desperate. They are going to be pathological liars. They will say anything to save their lives, and then they'll turn on you. You know, think about the story of Noah and the flood. There's the water's there, the ark is closed up, Noah's sitting there, and you got the hull knockers. You got all these people knocking on the hull, knocking on the hull. Noah, you know, we said really nasty things about you. We regret that, and we're drowning like rats. We're ready for that conversation, Noah. Open the door. What does Noah do? He doesn't open the door. Right. Now, the Bible says, because God said, bada boom, when the door is closed, the door is closed. That's it. No boarding. That's it. Only one boarding call. Yes. And Marshall, by the way, since you brought this up, that reminded me, I did have another question in relation of uh, to Noah and the flood. Some people out there believe that Planet X is what caused the flood. Your take on that, Marshall? Absolutely. You think and so? This is documented in the Colburn Bible. And there's the flood story of Sasuda and Hanok. And it is definitely attributed. Actually, the Colburn Bible says that the last two flybys, actually the last three flybys, one caused Noah's flood, one caused the sinking of Atlantis, and the other caused the ten plagues of Exodus. And this is all documented in the Colburn Bible. And what the Colburn Bible is telling us is, guess what? We are now in the timeline of this flyby, that in this very, very instant, this is prophecy that's come to pass. I'd like to read a couple of passages out of the Colburn for yeah, go you ahead. to give you this. All right, now I'm going to go to the book of manuscripts. And the manuscripts, this is the one book that really has a lot of information about it. The Colburn, these, are, these accounts were written by the Egyptians, 3,600 years ago. That's lunar years. Mine, mine, by the way, is the hour of the destroyer is at hand. Absolutely. I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. Off the top of my head. <laughs> so what I want to do is I'm going to read Manuscripts yeah, 3-7 and then Manuscripts 3-8. Now, uh, 3-7 is, Thus it was in the days of heavenly wrath, which have gone, and thus it will be in the days of doom when it comes again. The times of its coming and going are known unto the wise. These are the signs and times which shall precede the destroyer's return. That's what the ancient Hebrews and the Egyptians called Planet X, the destroyer. A hundred and ten generations shall pass into the west, and nations will rise and fall. Men will fly in the air as birds and swim in the seas as fishes. Men will talk peace with one another 
Hypocrisy and deceit shall have their day. Women will be as men, and men as women. Passion will be a plaything of men. Now, this last verse, I want to go back over this. Women will be as men, and men as women. Well, this is sex change, LGBT, nothing new for us. But this last one, uh, the second half of this verse, passion will be a plaything of man. When I, when we first worked on the Colburn, and that was back, it took us two years to prepare the manuscript for publication. Ah, okay. And the we had obtained a copy, electronic copy of it from a publisher in India. And because the 11th book of the Colburn is about the Celts, and there was a Celtic biographer that actually met Jesus and his family when they were walking the earth. And because of that, the Glastonbury Abbey was set ablaze by the church. Uh, so it's always that that caused a lot of problems. And that's the reason why it was suppressed for so long. But these prophecies came to pass. And before I go to 3.8, because this is what got them to release it, I want to go, women will be as men and men as women. But here was the thing that over the years, you know, just like something stuck in your mind, this stuck in my mind. Passion will be a plaything of man. What in that? I'm back in 2006. I'm going, what is this? Passion will be a plaything of man. It didn't make sense in 2006. I couldn't figure it out for love nor money. Well, guess what? Passion will be a plaything of man has now come to be. This is prophecy that is now our time today, as you and I speak right now. Passion will be a plaything of man. AI sex robots. Interesting. We have that have that in Japan, actually. And they're coming here. They will be coming here. here, yeah. Passion will be a plaything of men. And so sex dolls. Well, there's a artificially lot. Artificially intelligent. Well, sex dolls. Japan is the place to go for all of that. They are the yeah. ones who are leading technology in terms of AI. China is rather, but in terms of the sex dolls with artificial intelligence, uh, Japan leads the way in all these sort of things. It's really interesting. The culture is very interesting. I, I do like the Japanese culture, but when it comes to uh, sex, they have a very, very different uh, sort of... Uh, I guess they have their own completely different view of it, really. And a lot of them aren't even getting married or having kids. None of that is going down over in Japan. Kind of like yeah. what's going on here in America, actually. Less and less yeah. people are getting married. Less people are having kids. Some people don't want to have the headache, they say, Marshall. Well, it is headache because if you, 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 you know, you can't raise a kid without the government being in your back pocket. Right. And it, it's terribly expensive. We have a society that says, oh, man, wouldn't it be great to get married? You get to be queen and king for a day, blah, blah, blah. And then after that, everything in society is designed to destroy the marriage. Well, so one in four kids is, is in a two-family home. Right. Okay. And this is a really sad thing. Men and women are not marrying. They're marrying late. Okay. There's a lot of contention between the sexes. It's a very, very difficult time for families right now. It's a very difficult time. And this is this is a problem. And so for, you know, for for a lot of men, 
they'll go to sex dolls because you go through a you go through a divorce. That's it. You're financially wrecked. That's true. Okay. So why remarry? If you get a sex doll that takes care of it, you can focus on other things in life and have fun. That's Surround it. yourself yeah. with friends. Not such a bad deal. That's the conclusion they drew. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, you know, it's not helping too much with procreation. And this is just a sad thing. But to me, it's not going to matter given what's coming. That's true. And so, by, by the way, Marshall, I just want to throw this in there. Mm-hmm. Some individuals will wait for the government to finally tell them that there's an event that's going to take place. And that's just not realistic. The government is not going to tell you what's ahead. And it makes me wonder if you believe, Marshall, that they know full well what's ahead. Oh, God, I've been tracking them for years. Of course they know. And they've got the underground bunkers. Big bunkers. Big bunkers. And, you know, you know when we know we're all going to die like lemmings is when... Watch Denver, Denver International. When the tarmac is littered with private jets, that's the boarding call. We're screwed. Dying time is here. That's simple. It's that simple. I mean, I've talked to people who actually work, and there is an underground underneath there that is top security, all kinds of I mean, it's amazing what's underneath. What's on top, what you see on top of the airport is probably a third or less of the actual construction that was there. That's a weird place. The Absolutely. Denver so, airport. You know, and they just made it an airport. I mean, Stapleton was just fine. They didn't need a new airport. All right. But they did that and they moved it all out. And when it happens, I mean... Who cares? You can get out there and you can say, by God, I'm a tax-paying citizen, and I deserve this, and I deserve that. You know what? You're going to get what you get. Other countries are building massive bunker complexes. Massive. All right? In America, we're buying hollow-point ammunition and uh, small arms and uh, multi-person coffins, coffins that are designed for up to four people. And that's what that's what our government's doing. Coffins and bullets. Other countries are building bunkers. Or they have uh, seed banks. There's seed banks, but now the seed bank in Svalbard has problems because of what? The Arctic weather has changed. Right. And so, I mean, the inside passage is now, and I this is what I saw throughout the 90s. I saw this deterioration year after year. Now the inside passage, cruise ships are able to pass through the inside passage in the summer now. Oh, by the way, those those cruise ships, we've seen so many bad things happen when people go on those cruises. Um, Would you ever take one of those cruises yourself, Marshall? Nah, nah. Not worth it, in my opinion. I don't want to get sick or be stranded out there with no electricity, which is something that commonly happens. Yeah. I'm straight on that. Yeah, I, I personally... Um, I've just, besides, I don't, all the money that I have for travel, uh, I've been doing for this work on my next project. You don't need to go on a cruise, Marshall. Trust me. You don't need to go on a cruise. No, I did one cruise to Alaska. That was really cool. And we saw a glacier that was receding and, uh, the people up there were pretty upset about it at the time. So you explored in Alaska. Did you see the, uh, the wall of ice surrounding the area. 
Well, it was inside passage, and we they took us into an area, and you see the walls of ice. And But what they showed us was this particular glacier. They showed us before and after pictures, and then we saw what we saw. And I mean, this glacier had receded dramatically. It was just stunning. I was just asking, Marshall, because I didn't want you to fall off the earth. <laughs> I'm not a flat earther, you know. I know, Marshall. I got, I got that's funny you should ask. That's funny I have a story ask. too. Go ahead, Marshall. I got a you know, I got I was I got somebody I was it was an open call oh, no. on the show. And they I was talking about this, you know, my trips in the nineties. Right. And I was seeing the earth deteriorating and I said, you know, I could see the curvature of the earth. From horizon to horizon, it was magnificent. And this guy calls it. He says, well, you know, the windows in airplanes are designed to create that distorted view. It's really flat. The windows are designed to make the earth curved. And I go, really? Now, that's interesting because the first time I saw it, it was on an Aeroflot Illusion 62 that was built in 1963. So at the height of the Cold War, the Soviets were part of this suppression conspiracy. They sure were, Marshall. And they're in on it. Oh yeah, they were in on it. It was like you know, it was another one of those clicked. It was gone. And so flat Earth is. I'm sorry for those of you out there that really feel it's true. I'm sorry, it's it's not flat and. You know, because that always makes the, con you know, it makes you wonder if it's flat, what's on the other side? Is, on, you know, are we like, if it's flat, or is Australia on the opposite side and we're on this side? You know, kind of, kind of strange. And then, yeah, falling off the side of the earth. So, there are worse things to think about. Uh-oh, we're getting some noise here. Michael, can you hear me, Michael? We're, we seem to be breaking up. We are breaking And, okay, so you're hearing me, and my Wi-Fi is banging away. It's good. And uh, it, must be, it must be a problem of connection somewhere in the system. Probably. Do you want to... You want to try reconnecting? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can call me back. We got good audio now. I could hear myself coming in now again. Now, on... now I hear you coming in. Yes, I heard myself echoing there. I think it's just a problem with Skype. When you first connect, there's a bit of a bit of lag for whatever reason. Okay. But then it evens out, and then we're all smooth sailing yet again. And ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen, I do apologize. Sometimes this does happen. And of course, anytime I do have an issue with the internet, I always think perhaps it's a neighbor connecting to the Wi-Fi somehow. That's probably not, it's probably not the case, but I like to blame my neighbor <laughs> just for the fun of it. But yes, Marshall, as I was saying, I did bring in a guest who was a flat earther 
but that wasn't his main interest. But we did talk about that. And I, uh -huh. didn't, I didn't want to get into an argument with him at all because he's a nice guy and I didn't want to fight with him about, you know, facts, I guess you could say. Because... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, some... I like the way you said it, Michael. Precious. you <laughs> try to get through uh, get through to them with facts, uh, they just won't listen. No, no. And uh, I think personally, it's a psyop. Anything so. to get people distracted. And I th I think that that whole thing is a psyop. And yeah, they they get. They get pretty testy, and but a what are you gonna do, right? <laughs> I know what can you do? You can only that's lead it. the horse to the water, but it's the horse who must drink the water. That's right, that's right, and uh, yeah, that's that's the way it is. But in the meantime, for people, it's looking at what's happening. You know, <clears throat> a lot of people don't seem to are missing what's the big thing right now. We had over a million calves, and God knows how many millions of other species, domestic animals, in the center of the country from all of this bizarre weather. They're dead. And literally, uh, by the end of this year, we could be seeing $10 Big Macs. They're going to get expensive. That's a lot of money for a Big Mac. Yeah, but when you have that much loss of livestock, Something's got to give. And also, there's a lot of ranchers and farmers who they're just they're they're just not going to go back and do it anymore. That's all. They just quit. They're throwing in the towel. Uh, this is an interesting thing because I'm doing recons across the country. I've been crisscrossing the country for five years, going to places and uh, looking for highly survivable areas and what are the local characteristics and things like that. Right. And there's a real, I see common patterns. Uh, one, I see Californication. So you go to someplace like Whitefish, Montana, or Asheville, North Carolina, and what's happening is that people in California are moving there because uh, the baby boomers know that the California market is capped. And this is, you know, like the old saying goes, leave the party while everyone's still laughing. Right. And they're, that's what they're doing. They're selling their homes, taking their equity. They can go to these areas and buy a castle and put the rest in the bank and live the good life. Uh, the problem that they're causing in these areas is they're creating real estate bubbles. And the real estate bubbles are devastating for the folks that have lived there all their lives. You have people that are... Uh, you know, you have families and people are renting. Maybe they, someone's just come out of the military, or they they don't they don't have the the credit wherewithal to get a house, uh, whatever the case may be. But these folks coming in from California are causing distortions, and a lot of these areas, uh, families are being separated, locals, because of the influx of basically advanced refugees. And they're having to relocate to other areas that are not desirable and away from their families. Now, like in Asheville, that may be working great for someone from California now, but when stuff goes sideways and things are really getting bad, people are going to come back to their home 
you know, to their ancestral homes. They're going to be with their families. That's what they're going to want to do. And they're going to return. <clears throat> and then when everybody's getting hungry and they're out roaming through the neighborhoods, people who've lived there all their lives will stand out on the lawn and they'll just point across the street and go, California. And then that's it. It's all over but the crying. It's going to be ugly. So people are, you know, the folks from California doing this, they're creating terrible hardships. That is going to come back to bite them big time. And these are the kinds of things I see happening around the country. And other stuff in other areas, you had rural areas that were doing very well, but because uh, family farms you know, it used to be every, you know, it was, entire areas just farm after farm after farm of family farm. And how do you compete against these huge corporate farms with concentrated whatever and tons of chemicals and they're producing stuff that's making us sick, all right, because what we want is organic food. And the end result is that children are moving out. So the parents are farming because that's the life that they know, but the kids don't want the farms. So when the parents die, the kids will just take and sell the farms, take the cash, and stay in the city. And it's gutting out these communities, rural communities. I mean, I see this devastation out there, and it's really, really sad. And these areas are struggling. And sometimes you have the families, the, the children move out, and then you have other people moving in to fill the vacuum, and they may not be the most desirable people. So these are all the kinds of issues that I'm seeing out, the distortions. But people are going, if you're going to survive what's coming, you have to, you have, to have a situation where you're out of the city. You know, in my book, Surviving the Planet X Tribulation, I lay out an entire plan. When I wrote Surviving, my goal was for people who have no money, but they have awareness and they're intelligent and they want to do something. And I'm saying to them, look, when things are getting scary, when everyone's standing out on the street and going, what in the hell is that? And they're pointing up at the sky. This is when you want to be able to go to your church, talk to whoever's leading the church, and you go, hand them a copy of the book. You have a copy. Give them a clean copy. Your copy should be dog-eared with 10,000 post-it notes. And you hand it to them and you say, you know what's coming is bad. You know not to trust what they're saying on television. You know you have to take action. This book was written exactly for someone like you. This is your plan. And you do that. You now become, and, you, and you're saying it because it's a large book. Any questions that you have, please feel free to ask. And so what is the leader of that church going to have? That he or she is going to be surrounded with people racing around like chickens without a head, completely unprepared, but they're trying to be in control of their lives. Right. And so they're pontificating all kinds of nonsense, conspiracy theories, conjecture, argument, defeatism. I mean, it's just going to be, you know, think of it like a tornado or a hurricane in the center is calm. All right. And so that's what you want to be is that you want to be the calm in the center of the storm and help somebody. 
And if that church can organize and they can do an egress and get their people out and go somewhere and start trying to survive elsewhere out of the cities, then you're going to be valuable to that church leader. And if you say, I'd like to be a part of the community, but my family needs to be with me, what are they going to do? Say, let your family die, but I need you to be a confidential advisor? <laughs> right. No, you're going to go with them. And, you know, my other book, Two Sons in the Sky, oh, yes. Who Lives, Who Dies. I wrote that book for one reason. This is how you go shopping to find these churches with the right personalities. And so I'm giving the information people are going to need when the crisis is there. I don't know how many people are going to have the books because once Amazon goes down, that's the end of 60% of book sales. That's true. And Marshall, by the way, as I mentioned earlier, some of the questions I received from listeners tend to ask, frequently ask questions in regards to Planet X. And one of them was in terms of the photographs that you've seen and posted on your website. And some, because you mentioned two suns in the sky, this time it was in regards to that. Two suns in the sky being a solar lens flare. Some people are saying that's just a lens reflection, not exactly Planet X. What do you say to those skeptics out there? What do they always, when they say that, they say, I believe, or it's a lens flare. You know what? I've seen them spell lens flare, F-L-A-I-R, F-L-E-R-E. Okay, they can't even spell the word. <laughs> All right. Right. If you follow my work on my website, I'm picky as hell. I only publish 2% of the pictures I get. You go to the click, these, these fear porn mongers, they'll throw anything up there because they got to feed the beast because they need the AdSense revenue. That's true. If I publish it, it's it got through my very, and I know the difference and I explain the difference and how I test for flares. But you know, no matter how many times I explain to people the analysis method that I use, show them the examples, ask them to do it themselves and to vet it, all it takes is one dumbass to go shoot from the hip. Here's a sun dog or whatever. And you know what people say? You know, that's really what I wanted to hear. So that's as far as I'm going to think about it. Yes, no doubt. Okay, so it's it's but it's it's just like UFOs. You could have ten thousand, you know, you could ha you could build a pile of pictures of Planet X observations as high as Mount Kilimanjaro, and what are people going to say? The same thing as they say with UFOs. Well, let's think about it. I don't know, but this, but that. People are inherently lazy. They're like cows. Cows will sit in the pasture and they'll mulch and mulch. You know, they're going to sit there, chew the cud, chew the cud, chew the cud. And if something bothers them, they'll move to the other side of the pasture and then they go back to chewing the cud. I think it's because the past decade we've seen the interest in ufology and Planet X just take off, especially yeah. in the mainstream media. Ufology and I guess you could say the History Channel and the Travel Channel and all the other networks that jumped on the proverbial bandwagon, so to speak, mm -hmm. really just boosted the, I guess, the imagination and just caught so many people that really want to believe that there's something else out there 
And I think some of these people are just coming into a lot of these subjects that you've talked about for such a long time, Marshall. So you're probably getting a lot of these people that never really either uh, researched any of these things for themselves or they're just one of those casual TV viewers who kind of caught something on the History Channel or the Travel Channel or one of these type of shows. I, I'm, I'm under yeah, the assumption that that's right. what it is. You're right. I mean, it's a lot of people who are just now coming into consciousness. Probably. I'll tell you what happened back in 2003, 2004, and 2005. That'll give you an idea of what's going to happen. History yeah. repeats itself. It tends to. In 2003, Nancy Leader and Mark Hazelwood had caused a huge panic on the Internet about Planet X they were predicting a catastrophic flyby of Planet X, I believe, in July of 2003. And <clears throat> it was June or July. I think it was June. Excuse me. Uh, the one that was particularly bad was Mark Hazelwood because he plagiarized Nancy's work. And nothing happened. Now, we were writing articles and we were, uh, you know, you go back to my old stuff and you'll see, you know, is this Zeta hysteria or Zeta fact? And we were asking questions. We were getting people. Our, our website traffic was astronomical, and we were getting people writing us, and they're trying to be sound sober and calm. And the fear is oozing out between every sentence and every word. And we felt so terrible for these people. It was an awful time for us because we didn't see any evidence at all for Planet X being there when Nancy was saying. There was no evidence to support it, no hard science, no empirical data. And sure enough, nothing happens. And in August, this is a couple of months after the non-event, the leader non-event, and I published an article just to test the waters titled, Is It Time to Revisit Planet X? Besides ourselves, only four people read the article. That's how dead the topic was. Really? Yeah. Now, for me and my research staff, it was a blessing, to be honest. We didn't have all the noise, all the hysteria, and we could focus on our work. Because what we saw, to us, that was just a carnival. The data, the empirical data was different. We were following it. Richard Hoagland actually did brilliant work at the time, but I wouldn't publish it because I knew Hoagland was going to go play the other side and disappear, and that's what he did. That's what he does, yeah. That's what he does. You know, he plays both sides of the street. I and, believe so. Uh, he's a survivor. Let me put it to you that way. And it was just dead, 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 dead. And then in December 2004, Sumatra superquake and tsunami and a quarter of a million people die. And all of a sudden, people are going, oh, my God. And then in 2005, we have Katrina. Then after Katrina comes Haiti. And I can tell you that after those disasters happened, interest in Planet X came roaring back like you wouldn't believe it. All right? Because... It shakes people up, and they're trying to figure out why, and they're looking for answers. That's true. Now, I'm looking at, right now, earthquakes of all magnitudes, volcanic activity, active volcanoes. I'm looking at all the threat signs. It's only a matter of time before we have a major loss of life event. You know, let's go back to Chelyabinsk, all right? 
2013. And government said NASA finally had to admit after a huge embarrassment because it had the whole world looking at something else that it was a non-event. And this thing detonates over Siberia. And it was a 30-30 event. And this was a super bolide. And when it detonated, it released 30 times as much energy as the Hiroshima atomic bomb, and it was 30 times brighter than the sun. And it was lucky for the people that it detonated over an area that was unpopulated, because in the town, I mean, a hundred and what was it like 140,000 people had to have glass removed. Jesus, yeah. It was blowing through. It was blowing in windows. People were watching and getting a face full of glass. It was a lot of. It was a lot of grief. Yeah, people were know? freaked out. People were freaked out. And now, if imagine it's a thirty thirty event, thirty times brighter than the sun, thirty times more powerful than an atomic bomb. What if that bolide had detonated directly over a populated city? like New York, Ooh. Los Angeles, okay? You're talking death toll in the millions. You're talking absolute devastation. And right now, the tracking we're seeing with fireballs tells us this year we could very well have a loss of life event like that, at which point then people are going to wake up and they're going to be looking for answers. It's going to be like the movie Armageddon. That's right. And oh my. that's the reason why... When I'm writing my books, I am writing my books with an eye to the future. I could make a lot of money writing fear porn very easy. Everybody's making money writing fear porn. You just got to freak out, Marshall, and do a video I on YouTube. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd rather just struggle by and be honest. That's true, though. I'd rather struggle and be honest than to go out there and create a whole lot of hysteria. Well, no good deed goes unpunished, Marshall. I'm into that, brother. Yes, sir. That's just... I'm into that. <laughs> That's but, just the nature you know, of the beast. This is a calling. This is a calling for me. I do it because this is what this is what God put me on the earth for. I just... Understood. You know, doing this, I'm moving forward and my life has meaning. And if I would just want to be selfish, and there's so many other things I could do, and I could be making a great living and build my own yeah, bunker, that, that, that's and one of the help with everybody else. Right. I just can't do that. that that's, I just can't do it. That's one of the things I did want to ask you about early on in, in the interview. Some people, um, you know, very skeptical about you, Marshall. They always want to know who you are, what you represent, that sort of thing, and what your what your intentions are. That's usually what people are are usually wondering. Well, I mean, yeah, and it's because they've never actually gone to my website and read my material. That's true. All right. They're always, what they're looking for is a cheap, easy way to blow it off. Of course. People, one of the things people don't like about me is they, I'm a straight shooter and I just tell it the way it is. All right. You go look at my books. You look at my websites. You look what I'm publishing. You look at what I'm doing. I'm in it for the species and I'm trying to help people. And I'm trying to help people have a fighting chance because I don't believe we have to die like lemmings. And there's there's an audience of people who follow and they understand and they appreciate my work. And I get a lot of beautiful thank you letters all the time from people. That's true, by the way. There There is a lot of positive reception when you do come here, not just the few negative people out there, Marshall. 
Yeah, there's always going to be a few negative people. You know, I have a motto. My motto is simple. There's always a thousand and one reasons to fail and one reason to succeed. What are you looking for? And nine out of 10 people are stuck in 1,001 reasons to fail because, you know, failure is comfortable. That's true. But, you know, on the other hand, how many, how many successful CEOs do you see living under a bridge? Not very many. You don't see any. Exactly. Because those people understand. Hills and valleys, as Johnny Carson used to say. Life has its difficult moments, but you've got to stick with it and you've got to persevere. And for a lot of people, it is all it takes is a little bit of doubt. You know, the biggest thing that's the problem is spoiler spouses. This happens, and it's really sad, eight out of ten people who follow Planet X are married, are, are likely to be married to a spoiler spouse. Well, unless you're married to a flat earther, then I understand. Oh, yeah. Whoa, that's a different <laughs> thing. But, uh, you know, you have someone who is uh, a spoiler spouse is going to say, this scares me. Stop it or I'm going to divorce you. Ooh. This is, and you would be surprised how many people wind up in divorce because of their awareness and they're having dreams, visions, premonitions. They feel the need to prepare and their spouse doesn't. And the spouse doesn't say, well, it's your interest in whatever. No, it just scares them because they don't want to think about it because it's so far out of their little comfort bubbles. And that's why they get that uh, that sex doll, right, Marshall? The what? I said that's why they get that sex doll, right? Yeah. They go back go. to there. There you go. Oh, yeah. And uh, the they go to sex dolls. <laughs> I'm going to see more of that. But the ones that really bother me the most are the grandparents. Uh, I've oh, had yeah. so many grandparents over the years call me and talk to me on the phone. I used to do a lot of uh, survival location consulting and... I don't do it anymore because uh, I was just getting, uh, these are grandparents, they're successful, they have grandchildren, and they want to tell their grandchildren about preparedness, uh, they want to share with them what they've learned, their research, and their children are the ones that are going, well, bam, 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 bam. all these little reasons why you don't do this and you don't do that, blah, blah, blah. And then the children will tell their parents, if you talk to my kids about this, I'm going to cut you off and you're going to, never going to see your grandchildren again. They do that. Yikes. And then the grandparents are agonized. And what do they do? And a lot of them, to be honest, wind up saying, I'm going to, because their children are living in coastal areas where most of the jobs are, I'm going to move close to my children so that when things go sideways, I can just kidnap my grandchildren and get them the hell out of Dodge. Amazing. And that's what I hear, man, that is not the right way to do it. It certainly isn't. It is not. But this is this is where it is. I see all of this. But I also know, because I've been doing this for so long. My God, my first article was January 2002. Yeah, you've been all in right? the game for a long time, Marshall. Absolutely. I've seen it come. I've seen it go. And I know when it starts going sideways, people are going to need a plan that's the reason why I write the books that I write. I'm writing them for when I know they're going to need them. Yes. And they're the ones that say, you know, I want to be prepared. And rather than waiting for a crisis 
and trying to sort things out in the middle of the confusion, I'll prepare. I'll use these books to help me prepare now. So Surviving the Planet X Tribulation gives you a fantastic plan for working with the church. If you don't have any money, this is the way to go. Two suns in the sky. It'll tell you how to find the right church. And other things that you have to do is you need to create skill sets that make you worth money. Money is going to be beans. And you're going to have, in the middle of a crisis after the government folds up, you're going to have all kinds of people are going to come in and they're going to have a pie tin and they're going to go, you know, if you fill this with beans, I'm going to amaze you with how good I am at eating them. So get amazed and fill my can with beans. And what do you think that's going to do? You know, take it down the road. There's a FEMA camp. Go there. Aha. Uh -huh. Fine. By the way, Marshall, there's a movie called The Road. I'm not quite sure if you've seen that. Oh, yeah, several times. It's, Isn't that a great movie? It's a great movie, and it really, um, there are aspects of it that are a little, not quite realistic, but sure, sure. overall, it really does give you a good idea of what it would be, and keep in mind in this movie, you are seeing the survivors there's always already has been the mass dying. There's already the mass dying. And in that movie, you're seeing maybe the 5 or 10% of the people who survive and how their life is hard scrabble. Yeah, this movie should have been a lot more popular, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Viggo Mortensen did a stellar job in that. He was just really, really good. And But at the same time, it was the... Uh, what is it? The book of uh, it was. Okay, let's see. The there there was a movie about the guy had a a, a blind version, uh, a braille version of the Bible. Oh, I, I think you're talking about the book of Eli. Book of Eli. Book of Eli. Really. That's another good movie. Was, it was a good movie, and it really that one had a sense of hope in it, and but it was more entertaining and it really pulled the oxygen out of the room you know the same thing happened with uh, deep impact and armageddon right right armageddon was swashbuckling good fun that's true know? and uh whereas uh, deep impact was very very accurate now on the movie 2012 Oof, yes i can give you some interesting history about movie 2012 because yeah go ahead uh, we had our book and uh, the Planet X Forecast and 2012 Survival Guide, and we licensed that around the world in different languages. And uh, the book was extremely popular. And one license offer that we got from Japan, the second largest publisher in Japan, and when I got the offer, I looked at it and I said, I may be dumb, but I'm not stupid. I took it. It was sweet. And this publisher was tied in with Sony Films. And they knew about the movie 2012 that Emmerich was directing, and they understand how the movie was being played, because in the movie, the original cut of the movie was about Planet X causing this. And the what happened was the elites, when they saw that, they forced Emmerich to recut the film so it didn't have a Planet X angle, which was devastating for Sony because instead of coming out in the summer with, you know, when blockbusters should come out, yeah. 
And this publisher has my Planet X book going, great, this film's going to be about Planet X. We got a Planet X book, ka-ching, 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 all right? The elite step in, they tell the studio, you don't do this, period. You don't do this. You take Planet X out. So if you watch the movie 2012, the beginning is choppy. That's interesting. I never knew that. The beginning is choppy because they had, and they had to shoot the, the scene where, you know, they're talking about neutrinos. And actually, there was, you know, that science was fairly close to what the real danger from Planet X is. And, uh, but, and in the first theatrical release, Emmerich, when he did the first theatrical release, put about a one or two second clip at the very, very, very beginning of the film with Planet X. He put it in there just to spite them. And just to, just enough, they probably missed it or didn't see the context of it, got into the rest of the film. And that since has been sponged out on the theatrical and on the uh, rental releases. But because he had to recut it, he came out in November of that year that's when the art film comes out. So he's competing with Harold and Maude, for God's sakes. Mm. Worst time to do it, and that was it. However, and the movie's all eye candy. I mean, they're sitting there in a magnitude, God knows what, having a conversation in a car. Hey, I was in the Loma Prieta earthquake in 89. I can tell you, you're not going to be having a conversation in the car. That's true. And uh, But if you get past the eye candy... Watch the movie for subtext, because what Emmerich does is he shows you exactly how the elites think and what they do. Because in that movie, the people of the planet are dying and they don't know it until the day they die. And that's what they want. The elites want maximum death because there's too many of us to manage. They only need a half a billion people to worship and serve them in a way they want to be. They don't want a globe with seven, seven and a half billion people. It's too difficult to manage. So you have a natural event. We didn't kill you. That freaking rock up there killed you. Ta-da. Everybody dies. You're set up to die. And that's the whole thing. People are being set up to die. They don't know the difference. And they're not interested in knowing the difference, frankly, in most cases. So for me as a researcher... I help the ones I can, and they're the ones that take the time to do their homework. That's all I ask anybody to do. Do your homework. Doing your homework is not mentally masturbating on YouTube. Now, good point there. And Marshall, that brings me to another interesting article that you published as of late on your website, the Great Awakening article. Um, oh, yeah. This is one of the various subjects I did want to ask you about. I haven't really given the entire uh, movement a deep observation. I haven't done my homework, I, I'll be honest with you, but what exactly is it that caught your attention in regards to Q? Well, actually, I knew about the Great Awakening many months before there was a Q, and I was briefed by somebody who's in, well, let me put it this way. He, you know, these, I have a lot of sources in enforcement, and these are, uh, you know, I'm not talking beat cops, all right? And we were having a cup of coffee and Starbucks, and he sat down and he laid it out for me, the globalists, the alliance, white hats, black hats. And he started explaining to me things are as they are. 
and what to watch for. And I, you know, kind of kept, all right, I put it in mind. I'm going to observe it. If I don't have clarity on it now, I'll just put this in a bottle, in a jar, and put it on the shelf. And the universal facts me a label. And that's the way it always works. I don't brush the judgment on my mysteries. I just let them put it, you know, be mindful of them, and eventually you'll have an explanation. And so what's really happening with this, and this is actually not just a political thing here in the United States. This is a global sociological event. Now, the three key areas are England with Brexit, France with the Yellow Jackets, and, excuse me, America with MAGA, all right? These are nationalist movements or more more correctly, anti-globalist movements. And the globalists are the ones that are setting us up to fail, to die. Be very clear about that. Globalism, you know, they give you all the happy speeches, but globalism, very simply put, is redistribution of poverty. They take the poverty from Chinese families and Indian families imported into the heartland of America. Now, that poverty then causes a displacement of wealth in the blue-collar and working class, which then rises up in the elites and the globalists skim it right off. And they profit from everyone else's misery. And you, know, you have people who are the never-Trumpers and the blue, and they can't understand. They're angry at all these Walmart shoppers for being uppity and voting against them because they were never really hurt by globalism. They benefited from it because they're pretty, you look at the areas that they're, they're in the coastal areas where the economic density is going. You don't have, you know, steel plants in Los Angeles. Yeah, you're going to have them out in the Rust Belt. And so I can remember a time in the center of the country where, you know, if you were sitting around the family table and you said, I'm a, I've registered as a Republican, Next thing you know, you're eating in the kitchen with the kids for the rest of your life because <laughs> you're not good enough to be with the adults. And it goes that way. But <clears throat> this really, everything we're in right now, this is huge. We are watching history being made. No, that's true. And it's going to get heavy. And Marshall, what, but, what exactly was it, though, for you that really made you believe in, in this Q movement? Because some folks out there, they deem Q as more of a conspiratorial type thing? Well, first off, I believe my source, okay? And I have multiple sources in enforcement, and they follow it. You got a lot of people in enforcement. They understand what's going on. You got a lot of distortion. You got a lot of noise that's going on. But Q, and Q is actually <clears throat> started out on the 4chan board as Q security clearance. And it's government. In other words, they're saying, here's my security clearance. And it just became Q. Now, Q is a small PSYOP team that is working in the White House with Trump. And Trump is the tip of the spear for the alliance. But if Trump falls, there'll be another one. The alliance will, will continue on. And my proof was uh, there's uh, – I've been following all of the Q drops on 8chan, and right. uh, <clears throat> I knew last December, a month before the Fed made its rate change, I knew exactly because what they would do because Q was saying, and 
everybody else, and I mean everybody else, they were saying something entirely different. They were saying A, Q was saying B, and Q was consistent, and they were saying what happened, boom. And it's in what we call in the community, it's a proof. You have proof of it. And <clears throat> Q is all of this, what triggered all of this was Benghazi. And that's the important thing you have to understand is Benghazi in 2012 is what triggered the alliance. Because Benghazi, the nonsense about a YouTube thing, video that offended everybody's sensibilities, that was crud. What really happened was, if you remember Fast and Furious, they were selling guns to the drug dealers. How can I forget? Yeah. Ostensibly to track the numbers. Nonsense. Well, what was happening in Benghazi was was another Fast and Furious. Hillary Clinton and Obama were running a drug, a gun smuggling deal, selling them to the terrorists. Well, she's got experience doing that. Absolutely. And what happened was the deal went south. Something happened. The terrorists didn't get what they wanted. They got cheated. They got mad. And they attacked Benghazi. And they, they did that. Now, when it happened, the, 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 the military had assets it could have dispatched and nobody had to die at Benghazi. But Hillary expressly ordered them not to do it. She threw those people under the bus because dead men tell no tales. <laughs> yes. And for the military, this was a wake up and smell the coffee moment because while it was Hillary's debacle, it was their people who died just to cover her butt. And by the way, someone in the chat asked or brought up uh, Jerome Corsi. I did want to get your opinion on one Jerome Corsi. Well, Jerome Corsi is, I think he's a gutsy old guy. He's fighting him. I can disagree. And uh, so I like, I mean, the Mueller probe has turned out to be a total nothing burger, but it was more than that. Like, it was a firewall. What's going to happen is the D class is going to come out. Man, the stuff you're going to see is going to make you want to vomit. We have, there's so much pedophilia at the top. Pedophilia, I mean, it dominates the top, maybe 30%. And all of the corruption, all of the crime, Trump's going to declassify all this stuff. And they're waiting for the Mueller thing to finally settle out. Well, and that's... then they're going to do it. And then what's going to happen is the perp walks, but it's going to be quiet. Because what they're doing is they really are draining the swamp. But the big target is that they want to get us out of the central bank system because central bankers are, they, you know, central bankers are, let's start a war so we can kill a lot of people and get rich. And everyone's tired of it. They're tired of fiat currency. We want to go back to gold-backed currency. And we want to get rid of it. America has gotten rid of the central bankers twice. Last time was Andrew Jackson. That's the reason why Andrew Jackson is on Trump's wall. Okay, so that's really what's happening right now. I just want to quickly add, Marshall, for some odd reason, those at the top are very much into pedophilia for whatever reason. It's a yeah. very strange thing. Why are these, well, in your opinion, why are these uh, people, these powerful politicians, these powerful businessmen, uh CEOs of companies, you get the idea. Why are all of them so into pedophilia? Well, my personal feeling on that is there's only two two directions with God. You're walking towards God 
And that's the high road, and it's hard. But the nice thing about the high road is it's not congested either. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Then there's the low road. These are the people that are walking away from God because they want the material pursuits. But the fact is, what makes us different from cadavers is the love of God's light energy coming into us. Understood. Life force energy. Yeah. Or what the Orientals call chi. Chi. Chi, yes. All right? And if you are on a path and you are, you're on a humble path and you're walking with God, you're receiving chi. And they abuse and torture and do horrible things to women and children because when you're in a state of fear, your body releases your chi. And for the ones that are not getting their chi from God because they've turned their back on gods, they're parasites. And that's the reason why they have these ceremonies. And I could describe things that I wouldn't want to do it over the air. It's so horrific. Let me put it to you this way. There was one video that was found, and this is on a very notable person, and it was viewed by the Special Victims Unit in New York. These people see everything terrible. It's their lives. After they came out of the viewing room, these people were all crying. It's that bad. It's that bad. But it's we need to clear it out. And see, the thing here that makes me excited about this I had my proof. When Q called it right on the Fed, that was it. Christmas Day for me was crazy because I had thousands of angry bees buzzing in my head connecting all the dots. And it was a terrible time because the truth is terrible. And then the next morning I woke up and I heard a voice in my mind and it resolved my real issue because my the voice in my mind and I heard it, it was like God had spoken to me and said, if Trump falls, another will continue the advance. My real fear that held me from accepting it was, is the QAnon movement a personality cult that's wrapped around Trump? If it's a personality cult, it'll fail. It's not a personality cult. What happened going back to Benghazi, it woke up everybody. Obama was methodically taking the military down, wasn't replacing old equipment, firing all of the patriotic generals who would not turn their backs on the Constitution. It was very clear that we were being set up to fail. All right. The fact is, after Reagan and before Trump, every president was a globalist. Didn't matter what party. They were all globalists. They were all in the globalist agenda. They were all in the pockets of the central bankers. Trump is an oddball. And the people on the left are so angry and they rage and rage at the people who voted. Who voted for Trump? People who voted for Trump, Trump were the victims of globalism. They're the ones that saw their factories going out, their jobs going out, their retirement going out. They saw their sons and daughters going to pointless meat grinder foreign wars and coming back in wheelchairs and coffins. They understood globalists and globalists and the globalist elite very well because they've had 20 years of horrific hardship, horrific hardship. And they watched their political party, the Democrat Party, literally just abandon them, walk away. The Democrats are only interested in the very rich and the very poor. 
Everyone else in between is smelly Walmart material. <laughs> okay? And so consequently, the people who voted for Trump understand the globalists. The globalists own the media. With all of the negative press, Trump should be at 20% in the popularity polls and dying and going through impeachment, and they can't touch it. Through all of this scandal of two years, Trump has actually gained popularity, not lost it. Because he may be a son of a bitch, but by God, he's our son of a bitch, and he gets the job done. That's kind of how I feel about him. Yeah. And so it's the bottom line. Are you doing the people's business, or aren't you? And he's doing the people's business. He's doing good things. All right? And the crisis at the border, the crisis at the border is this is how the globalists and folks like the Clintons and so forth, this is how they finance their operations with drug smuggling, human trafficking, all of this stuff. They make a fortune on it. And Trump closes the border. He's going to cut down. He's going to shut down their primary income source on this side of the planet. That's the reason why there's this insane fight of saying there is no crisis. Yet, on the record, Pelosi, Schumer, Obama, they have all said when they were in power, there's a crisis at the border. Now, they reverse themselves. Why? Because they're the ones profiting from it. And when they said there's a crisis on the border, they knew that was what people wanted to hear. But they also knew they weren't going to do anything about it because they're making too much money off of it. And so now that's the big reason why there's this battle to keep. But this is, you know, the tide is turning. And what's happening, the alliance is military and it's patriots. The basic, I would say the best way to, to in your mind, visualize the alliance, the QAnon, these are the constitutionalists. These are people who still believe in the Constitution. These are people who have been in the military, taken an oath to defend the Constitution, or they've been in government and they've taken an oath to defend the Constitution, and they just weren't mouthing the words. You know, nine out of, with the reason why we have such a high divorce rate in the country is most every couple that walks down the aisle, one or both of them have got their fingers crossed behind their back. If it gets a little tough, we can bail. My goodness. Okay? And so, by the way, Marshall, Donald Trump actually came out here on Friday. He went to Calexico, which is 12 miles away from where I am. Mm -hmm. Yes, and he landed, uh, the Air Force One landed at the infamous naval facility where the Blue Angels train out here. I don't live exactly too far away. Uh, pretty mm -hmm. pretty regularly, you can hear helicopters and jets passing over my head when I'm doing the live show. It's right. kind of annoying, but I've gotten used to it. Yeah. So uh, the thing about, and the, the reason why I'm writing about it, and why I'm so excited about it, and I have to tell you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to write about, I wanted to start writing about it a long time ago. But all of my people that are enforcement, or law enforcement that are you know, uh, giving me the information, and they just said, don't do it. If you do it now, the globalists are too strong. We don't want you to eat a nine milli. Oh, my. Don't do, don't do it. Don't be another Corsi, okay? So I didn't do it. But then finally I said, okay, you know, now go ahead. Now they're, now you're, you're good to talk about it. And so that's the reason why I started publishing. I see. But, so you're fully but, on board, in other words. I'm totally on board. Okay. And the reason why I'm totally on board is... 
something that happened to me back in about 2000, 2007, 2008. At the time, we were working with psychics and uh, very, very good psychics. We had a very scientific method for dealing it with science questions, confirming cross-examination, testing, whatever. And uh, we learned amazing things. But at the time, I was also finally sorting out the Agenda 21, which is basically to see to it that we're set up to fail and we die like lemmings. Seems like that, yeah. And no, it, it doesn't seem that is the truth. Ooh. I'm sorry. It's the truth. And I was so depressed. I, I It was a year of total depression for me, total depression, because I am realizing that people are being set up to die, and I understand exactly how it's doing, and they're winning. They're winning, they're winning, they're winning, and there's nothing to stop them, nothing to stop them. And so with this one psychic, this gal was very, very, very talented, uh, very fortunate. She had a loving husband supported of her gifts. And so I finally just called. I said, look, I got a personal favor. I got to sort this out. I told her what, you know, what I just told you. Right. She said, well, okay, let me put it out there and see who comes in. And uh, she was very flexible that way. She could tie in with other entities. And she did a reading for me with Serapis Bay. And Serapis Bay was in ancient times in Egypt, a high priest in the temple. And his thing is exactly what I'm talking about. All right. And... I explained to Serapis Bay, and Serapis Bay comes back, and she's repeating what she's getting from him to me, and this is how it goes. And here was the message that Serapis Bay gave me. It said, Marshall, the book of humanity is a vast book, and it is far from being completed. And now you are in a chapter in this book. This chapter belongs to the elites. It is their chapter and there is absolutely nothing you can do to take it from them. So do not try. But all chapters, as do all books, eventually come to an end. And this chapter is on the last few pages. And the elites understand that the next chapter is not theirs. It is for the good people of the world. Amazing. And that the only, the only way the elites can transfer their control of the planet to this next chapter of humanity is if they bluff everyone into thinking that's what they need to do. A bluff. They win on a bluff. And he said, your destiny, your right, is an enlightened future, but only if you will stand up and claim it. It is not given. It must be claimed. In other words, you got to fight for it. And for so many years, I have lived with that knowledge and have seen what's going on, especially the Obama years, which were really dark, because I was seeing what Obama was doing to disintegrate our military. But now, out of the nowhere is the alliance, Trump is at the front, MAGA, Brexit. In other words, Michael, this is fantastic news. I'm the most happy man I could be right now because we're claiming our right 
to the next chapter. We are standing up and saying to the globalists, go to hell. Right. Okay? And it doesn't take everybody in the world to do it. You know, less than half of the Americans, and by other accounts, much less than that, but less than half of the colonialists actually participated in the Revolutionary War. The majority of patriots or Americans at that time, they were not patriots, they either sat on the sideline and profited, or they were loyal to the British and helped them. So they were either against the patriots or they weren't involved in the first place. And so it was a minority of people who brought about this wonderful country we live in, this wonderful constitution that we have. And so when I look at what's happening with this global perspective, it fills me with joy and hope because, by God, we are claiming our rightful destiny to have an enlightened and beautiful world. Yes. And I certainly do feel we are getting some of that. But at the same time, I feel there is a lot of pushback from uh, opposing views out there, especially those that want to uh, take away your livelihood over just words. Of course, there's always pushback. Oh, yeah. But you know, my friend, winners never quit and quitters never win. I agree. And also, Marshall, I didn't get a chance to ask you about this. The Space Force has been a very popular topic. We also had Mike Pence talking about wanting to go back to the moon, as well as Mars. And I'm curious your take about a manned spaceflight to the moon. Groovy. Is this going to happen? Groovy. We already done that. We did. You know, I mean, I had a, one of the, in, in my podcast, I've been doing it in Cut to the Chase for years, but uh, I actually interviewed one of the astronauts who landed a lander on the moon. And uh, it, was, it was a wonderful thing. It was an amazing thing. And I'd like to see us go to the moon. I'd like to see us go to Mars. I think the Space Force is the right idea because, let's face it, you know, if we see military technology, it's already 10 years old. That's okay. true. Yes. We, we definitely um, do need this uh, Space Force since we do have to compete against Russia and China, who are definitely trying to wipe us out. We were talking about EMPs earlier for those who just joined us. Uh, this all goes back to that. It goes to that, but I think a Space Force, how do you have the Air Force all of a sudden introduce and, you know, triangular-shaped ships that can defy gravity. Yeah, that's a little far-fetched. Right? But if we have a space force, we can go to, because our technology, our space technology, is just light years ahead of anything else. And so a space force is going to be de devoted to that. I totally support the space force. It is the right thing to do because... There's another aspect to it, and this, I can just hear folks, you know, they're going, oh, my God, here he goes again. But um, in my book, being, for the, being in it for the species, I talk about Planet X, but the focus is really on dealing with the Anunnaki because yes. they're going to return. And when they do, it's going to be like the mafia coming to collect the VIG. A, shake, okay. a shakedown, not yes. Gonna be, not going to be real pleasant. And they're going to come for gold, and they're going to come for women. Gold to uh, repair their atmosphere from the flyby, and women for their slave breeding programs. And we're going to have to deal with this, and it's going to be a huge shock. 
So my thinking is with the Space Force, there is a uh, there's a real push for us to be able to uh, get a little respect from the Anunnaki, so to speak. By the way, if you go to DonaldJTrump.com, you can actually get your official Space Force hat. Uh, are you going to buy one, Marshall? God, I didn't even know. I'll do that. Yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, it's the official uh, Space Force hat now in stores while supply lasts, it says here on this website. I, I wasn't even aware of this until I looked it up just now. But, you know, those MAGA hats, man, such a polarizing uh, hat. And it's it's really taken life of its own, just that hat. And I always wonder who exactly came up with it. And I'm wondering how much money did that person make? Because those hats are extremely popular. Yeah, I see. There's the Space Force hats. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, they're all over. Just take, you can get them on Amazon. <laughs> Interesting. And, uh, yeah, that's cool. I think I'll get me one, yeah. I even bought a yellow jacket because I was so impressed with the yellow jackets. Those people, there's a lot of suppression on the coverage. There are a lot of French people that are getting killed and really seriously injured in that whole situation. Yeah, the, the police are also getting hit with feces and urine. Yeah, well... That's never good. Yeah, that's never good, you know? But I am proud of France, though, for sticking up and fighting for what they believe in as well. Yeah, you know, I think... And I see Brexit um, and what they're doing. I mean, people want... They don't want to be in the EU, and their their lives are governed by unelected people They that are anonymous and they don't know. And uh, with all of this insanity with the immigration, London now is London stand. And I talked to people in Europe have for years that are really concerned with it because now there's entire swaths of land in like Holland and other places where native Dutch, they will not drive into those areas because they're terrified they won't get out of them. And that's what all this immigration has done. So there's a lot of stuff that goes on, you know, and I see people and they're, uh, they, and they don't get it. Like, for example, one group of people that for the most part are clueless as to why they're in the fate they're in are all these kids who are defaulting on their student loans. And that's horrible because the only way they can get any breathing space is that they have to get their lives down to less than 30000 a year. So they got to get down into the poverty level in order to survive. And if they don't, I know I got a sample of what they get. I had moved into a new apartment and uh, I had Comcast, or excuse me, a Charter come in and I got a telephone number from them. And it happened to have belonged to a young woman and who had defaulted on her loans. And oh my God. It was devastating because you get into this national circuit. The number is passed around. You get these recordings. You're in violation of the law. We're going to find you and put you in prison. And all, oh, my God, all these terrible threats. And so and these calls would come in and I would answer the call and I would say, I'm recording the call because I'm not who you this person. But I want to know who you are and I want to know the name of your company because I'm going to sue your ass off. And then, boom, they click, hang up the phone. I never hear from them again. It just roll off to another collection agency. And these people in these collection agencies are ugly. They're basically alcoholics who live from 
vodka bottle to vodka bottle to child support payment to vodka bottle. And they're out there tearing these, these kids apart who got sold a bill of goods. Go to college and get your degree and there'll be a job for you. And there weren't any jobs because all the jobs are overseas. And so they were set up to fail. And look at the student debt. And But we have the flower of a generation. My God, we have the flower of a generation that is being trampled under this slave debt. This is absolutely horrific. This is horrific. And yet, these people whose lives have been destroyed by this, by the globalists, including the Clintons and the Bushes, who do they turn to for help? They turn to the people who set them up to fail in the first place, and they don't know the difference. By the way, you forgot to mention the college admission scandal that's going on. Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Business as usual. Yeah, but we all knew that. Yeah. You know, and the ones that really get the short end of the stick are the Orientals. Well, that's true, because they can't get in. They can't get in because they've, you know, they're straight-A students. They're too good. They work hard, they do good, <laughs> but hey, you know, globalists don't like fly lice. Yeah, unfortunately, that's how it goes. And Marshall, a few other things. I know we are getting off a little, a little off base here, but I was curious what your opinion was on 9-11. That's another question that other people have been asking me for quite some time, but I never actually really asked you that question. I knew it was a false flag the day it happened. Really? I was watching television. Remember, the history has been sponged. Very. Okay. The quicker, the closer something comes to the truth, the faster it disappears. And so I'm watching, and this is after the towers and the dust is settled and the cameras get in there, and I see one of these massive I-beams, huge. These are the ones that are in the center of the building around the elevators. These are gargantuan, massive beams. And I saw it standing up, but it was the end of the beam standing up that got me. The thing had, it was controlled detonation. Okay, it was a cord. They have a wrap a cord around it, and it burns the steel through clean as a whistle. And it had a 45-degree edge, just like an X-Acto knife. It's interesting that you say that. Um, by the way, Marshall, I do have the a... The only thing that could do mm -hmm. that, the only thing that could do that is with a chemical, not a fire. And it was too low. The fire was at the top of the building. So how's this thing going to get sliced off? I knew, you know, it's the same stuff with the grenades that they, they'll pull the pin on a grenade, throw it on the engine of an aircraft or something like that, and then it renders the aircraft, burns it, magnesium burns through. So it, I knew just looking at it, it, it was a controlled, uh, you know, it was a controlled disaster. And besides Building 7? Oh, yes, Building 7. Fell into its basement because the furniture burned? Excuse me. I mean, how many stupid pills do you got to swallow <laughs> to buy that? So, you know, I knew 9-11 was a setup the very first day because I believe my lying eyes. I actually got in trouble that morning at school. Mm. Yeah, we were talking about it. And all throughout the day, we heard teachers cussing up a storm about terrorists and this and that. After the whole, for the whole um, six hours that I was there, it was final period, I believe it was. Yeah, And um, yeah. by then, I had done some research, and I was reading up a lot on the World Trade Center and what it what it stands for and what it what they do there on a day-to-day -day basis. 
And at the very end of one of my classes, I remember raising up my hand and asking if our government could have had any sort of doing with that. And the teacher instantly looked at me and told me to get out of the room. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, 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 it's when we have to go to institutions of learning to really experience discrimination. It was very interesting. Oh, the, it is. It's like if you yes. don't, if you're not following the right think speak in the school, you're bounced. It's always been that way. Yes. And Marshall, by the way, I, I was going to play you a clip here of an interview with uh, Donald Trump shortly after 9-11. I wanted you to hear it. Okay. Yes. You'll be able to hear it. There's a great deal of question about whether or not the damage and, and the ultimate destruction of the buildings was caused by the airplanes, by architectural defect, or possibly by bombs or, or aftershocks. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, it was an architectural defect. You know, the World Trade Center was always known as a very, very strong building. Don't forget, that took a big bomb in the basement. Now, the basement is the most vulnerable place because that's your foundation. And it withstood that. And I got to see that area about three or four days after it took place because one of my structural engineers actually took me for a tour because he did the building. And I said, I can't believe it. The building was standing solid and half of the... By the way, you can hear that properly, right, Marshall? Yeah, it's great. Go, okay. go, go. I'm playing it. The columns were blown out. I mean, so this was an unbelievably powerful building. Uh, if you know anything about structure, it was one of the first buildings that was built from the outside. The steel, the reason the World Trade Center had such narrow windows is that in between all the windows, you had the steel on the outside. So you had the steel on the outside of the building. That's why when I first looked, and you had big, heavy I-beams. When I first looked at it, I couldn't believe it because there was a hole in the steel. And this is steel that was, you remember the, the width of the windows in the World Trade Center, folks. I think, you you know, if you were ever up there, they were quite narrow. And in between was this heavy steel. I said, how could a plane, even a plane, even a 767 or 747 or whatever it might have been, how could it possibly go through the steel? I happen to think that they had not only a plane, but they had bombs that exploded almost simultaneously. Because I just can't imagine anything being able to go through that wall. Most buildings are built with the steelers on the inside around the elevator shaft. This one was built from the outside, which is the strongest structure you can have, and it was almost just like a uh, like a can of soup. You know, Donald, we were looking at pictures all morning long of that plane coming into uh, building number two, and when you see that uh, approach the, the far side, and then all of a sudden, within a matter of a millisecond, the explosion pops out the other side. Right. I just think that it was a plane with more than just fuel. I think, obviously, they were very big planes. They were going very rapidly because I was also watching where the plane seemed to be not only going fast, it seemed to be coming down into the building. So it was getting the speed from going downhill, so to speak. Uh, it just seemed to me that to do that kind of destruction is even more than a big plane because you're talking about taking out steel, the heaviest caliber steel that was used on a building. I mean, these buildings were rock solid. And, uh, you know, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing thing. And there we go. That was a poke clip there. You know, it wasn't making sense for him. You know, it just wasn't passing the smell test. Look at all of the structural engineers that are saying similar things. Okay. And there were people that actually got video of when the towers collapsed. And <clears throat> you could see the detonations. I mean, how do you drop three buildings into their basements? Yeah, remarkable, right? They want you to believe that it was just a fire. Yeah. And, and, and in number seven, it was office furniture. Yeah, I don't know about any office furniture actually dropping an entire building the way it did. 
Free you fall know, speed. Ain't that it, amazing? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was a setup, and look what happened. You know, for me, I love films. Yeah. And the films from, excuse me, the 1990s, mm-hmm. you know, the Harry Met, you know, Harry Met Sally. And, well, Marshall, uh, you don't have to tell me that. I, I love 90s movies, and I always say this on the program, how terrible most movies are after that uh, yeah. after that decade. Uh, you know, it, it was a great time for film, and it seems like every other movie and everything else that came after it just it's just been kind of garbage especially today's current films they've all been trash yeah it all went to the dark side really quickly it all went and so to me 911 was the globalist situation it could have been uh that this is this is this is what got us into these pointless wars these unwinnable wars and we don't need to be Sending our children there, and there, there's there's no noble purpose. There's no real reason for us being there, and we're destroying their lives. They're coming back with PTSD. They're coming. You know, I will tell you, I am so proud of our country. So many people now are saying thank you for your service, and they appreciate the sacrifice that families make. They're trying to help them. Uh, Trump really did a lot with helping the military, particularly the ones having to deal with the VA, which was awful. And now he's got where they can go out and get health care. There's been a lot. Trump has done a lot to help the military. But when we look at Q, we look at the alliance. This is the military defending the Constitution. We had a leadership of the country that was selling us down the drain. And they find, you know, the military didn't want to do anything because it's, you know, you don't stick your nose in my dirty laundry. We don't stick ours in yours. But Benghazi, future generations, and I say this in my article, and people should, if they really want to understand why I connect with Q, read my Q. I have two Q articles on my site. And there's more coming. I'm just going to keep writing about this. Because to me, this is the most hopeful thing I have seen for the future. I think that Trump is going to be a lot more honest with us about Planet X when the time comes than any globalist would. I know what the globalists were going to do. I've been saying it for years. And when we're looking and seeing it in the sky, they're going to say, don't worry, it's not going to hit us. Because it won't hit us. It'll fly over our head, and the nemesis system will pass between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter. But as it goes overhead, we're going to have one hell of a shitty time. <laughs> yes. Okay, sorry. That's okay. And so, and they don't want, you know, so if the if the fake news, and I got to tell you, I was a CNN science feature producer in the 80s when Ted Turner was running CNN, and it was an amazing thing. It was like working in the Mercury Apollo and uh, programs with NASA, putting a man on the moon. It was that kind of excitement. And investigative journalism was fantastic. I just now, the schmuck that's running it says, we don't investigate, we report. When I was working with CNN, you investigated, and if you didn't have your dots, you know, your eyes, you know, your eyes dotted and your T's crossed, you got bounced. Turner ran a lean, mean news machine. And I look at it now, 
And it's this horrible thing that looks like the invasion of the body snatchers. And it's just a sick, uh, watching what they've been doing, the, they've just thrown journalism excellence, but all of them. And it's because of consolidation. And this consolidation, when I was in the 80s, when I was involved with CNN, working with them, I was covering the beats, and uh, my beat was in Texas. They had to compete with 50 different outlets. Now there's only five. So it's marketing segmentation. Yes. And that's all they really have. And I look at the fake news. I look what they've been doing. The Kavanaugh hearings. My God. Yeah, that's one of the issues I was going to... Kavanaugh gonna... hearings was a national debacle. Yes. It was shameful. This is one of the issues I was going to mention to you, Marshall, in terms of journalism and the mainstream media. How nowadays, <laughs> it, you really can't trust anyone, really. And it's it's unfortunate that it's that way now in America. Most people are divided and they don't know who to trust. Can you blame them, though? You know what? In my article, I note we had we were following at this point. We estimate 60 million people are following Q. It's a lot of There's people. More people following Q than all of the fake news put together. They're following it in one way or another. The thing about Q is Q has two has to do two things. One. Deliver disinformation that'll send the, uh, the the globalists off in the wrong direction. And the second thing is to throw out breadcrumbs, little facts, connect the dots, and the whole thing about the Q movement that is frankly counterintuitive for most Americans is you gotta do your own homework. They're not talking in lockstep. You look at all the fake news channels, they're fake news because they get their talking points at 4 o'clock in the morning. Every morning, yes. And that's you hear them use the same phrases. doesn't matter what network. I've said that on, I've said that on, on this program before, and that's very true. 4 a.m. is where you could get all the talking points, and you'll hear them all day, all night. You hear them all day, you hear them all night, and so who do you trust? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you who you trust. You trust yourself. That's the only way. Trust That's the yourself. only way. Yeah. And you know, there's only the, the the only truth that matters, Michael, is the truth that resonates within you because you and you alone put it there in your own good way and in your own good time. And when some college professor tells you how to think and humiliates you for disagreeing, you stick to your guns. When you come out and People are lambasting you unfairly. You stick to your guns. You look at the Q movement and the people that follow the MAGA people, they were completely unfazed by all the fake news coverage. I mean, it's like Don Lemon on CNN. I think Don Lemon must spend an hour every morning doing outraged facial gesture <laughs> exercises. You know? Yes. Oh, 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 the most, the worst, the whole thing. He's got to spend a whole hour every morning trying to look disgusted and angry. Well, that's how I feel when I watch Tucker Carlson every now and then, too. He leaves his mouth open sometimes. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I do like that, though, because it makes me laugh every time. Yeah. It is funny, know, though. So, I mean, it's <laughs> like with Don Lemon. I, if I met him, and I'd say, hey, why are you doing the exercises anymore? <laughs> In the morning, you know, your mother told you, you do that, you'll go blind. That's but, funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but I see this fake news stuff, and it's, 
I guess I'm an old fart because I remember real journalism and how good it was. When I was at CNN, I'll tell you what. I'll def- I'll tell you what journalism, journalists were like when I was there. Yeah. They were smart. They were dedicated. They were hardworking. They followed the story. They were ethical. Excellence in journalism was their hallmark. And they had round heels. Okay? Today, pretty much all that's left of CNN is the heels. That's how bad it is. It just, I can't watch CNN. It just makes me want to hurl. And I'm so sad because, you know, I had such good years. And it it almost, and, and when I'm introduced on shows, and Marshall Master, former CNN science feature producer. That must kill you. Yeah, it's it's starting to kill me now, you know? And... Oh, gosh. I I hope that this will change, and I hope they can break free of the globalists and find their own way, although I doubt it. And we're going to go. But there's one small network that I think they're on direct TV I've seen, and I really like it. And it's called One America News, OAN. Oh, yes. I believe I have that. And if you have it, they do it. I think they're the closest thing to journalism we have today. Yes, and Marshall, that leads me to uh, one of my last things here before we wrap it up with the political talk and move forward and close up things here, and that's the 2020 Democratic primary leaderboard. We do have a Joe Biden still ahead of all the other Democrats that want to join in here and try to take over. Uh, Can you believe it? Joe Biden still ahead, even after the whole sexual harassment fiasco. You know, I gotta be honest. It's like the Democrats kind of remind me of the Soviets before they collapsed. You know how you had all these old guys that would he'd come in. I'm here for the socialist dream. <laughs> he'd drop dead. The next one comes in. I'm here for the socialist dream. He would drop dead. I mean, we got these old socialists, and they're. <laughs> A lot of these old guys, I mean, it's like, it just looks like Soviet Union all over again. Do I think they're going to win in 2020? No, because I think what's coming with the D-class is going to devastate the Democrat Party. It's going to eviscerate it. And hopefully Mm -hmm. it'll help because I'm not so crazy about the Republican Party either because there's globalists on both sides. Yeah, I'm not quite sure when I look at those who do want to throw their name into the proverbial hat. I'm looking at these people and I'm thinking, I don't think any of them will do too well against Donald Trump. No, but you want to run for president because you can, you know, do a book deal, get tours. It's a way to make a couple of shekels. That's true. Uh, Some people were really behind the wild man Beto O'Rourke for whatever reason. He's an interesting character, though. I do like him. Very fun to watch. Well, yeah, I mean. But as a president, I don't know about that. As a president, I don't know. When I when I listen to Cortez OAC, oh my, you know what I hear? I hear a college professor. <laughs> it's the same litany, you know. Well, it's you like know. all this stuff you get in the ultra liberal schools, where you know if you have a conservative viewpoint, you get thrown out of class. Her heart's in the right place, but it's just an idea. It's not a reality right now. Well, unfortunately, I think. You know, there's one way of looking at how socialism works, because this is the way it's been. 
since yeah. Marx. That's just the way it's been. It starts, it starts with the poets, and the people love the poetry, and they follow the poets, and they change everything so that the poets can lead them. And then the monsters kill the poets and enslave the people. And that's how socialism works. It begins with the poetry, and it ends with the monsters. Same thing. So Cortez, Beto, it's all poets and poetry. But then comes the monsters, and then comes the pain. Socialism, I did business in Russia. Yeah, that's true. I saw what socialism does to the human soul. I was in Russia when the people were poor. I to give you an example of what inflation does and how devastating it is. I did homestays and custom tours and things like that. Yeah, you were there. I was there. I was there a dozen times. And this was fairly early in 93, 94. And um, I was meeting with operators for my tours. And I said, hey, I'll buy you lunch. You know, you guys did a lot of great work for me. I appreciate it. Let me take you to lunch and let's figure out our next season. Okay, great. And they wanted to go. There was a pizza hut in Moscow. And everybody wanted to go to the pizza hut. Everybody. And fine, let's go have pizza. We have pizza, come back. I'm sitting with my guest. And she said, you know, how much did it cost you for that? Do you have a receipt? And I said, yeah, I got it out. It was about 40,000 rubles at the time. This was back when it was $1 would buy you, I think, 1,200 rubles. So it cost me about 35, 40 bucks. Pretty cheap for, actually. And I gave her the receipt for 40,000 rubles. She said, I want to show you something. She went to her dresser. She pulled out a passbook savings account, the book. You know, like the old days, you get a stamp. Right. It had 38,000 rubles in the account that they had been saving for 20 years before Perestroika, back when it was seven rubles to a dollar. Wow. And so what happened was I took these people out to lunch for pizza. That's nice of you. And it cost me about the same as 20 years of lifetime savings, scrimping and struggling. And that's what happens with fiat paper. That's what happens when you lose everything. I saw the despair. I saw the alcoholism. They talk about socialized medicine. I remember in the winter being in a hospital. I was with my. For me, I didn't have to go to Russian hospitals. Never would. You get travel guard insurance. It's the best, by the way, if you're traveling overseas. And uh, that's, that was it. I used to book everything with Travel Guard, make my clients. They had to take it or I wouldn't book them because I knew the health care. And if you had Travel Guard over there, there were special clinics just for Americans. And it was everything state of the art because the insurance covered it. But I went in with this one to a Russian hospital and they couldn't afford to heat the hospital. It was the dead of winter. They couldn't afford to heat it more than 50 degrees. 50 degrees in this building. I go into wards and the wards are half empty. And there are people in the beds bundled up in their clothes that are sick. And their families would come in and take the mattresses off the vacant beds and put them up against the windows. That's like the same condition that happened out there for those people in Brooklyn. Uh, at a Brooklyn jail, there was no heat. 
and they mm-hmm. were freezing out there in the in the two degree weather in New York. That is terrible. Right. So I saw socialized medicine. Right. But I saw what socialism does to the human spirit, and it's awful. It's awful. And I saw people who had this, you know, today and this insanity where if you don't say the right, you know, thought police. The thought police, right. Police, we, it is, it is KGB, pure KGB. And you see people doing this and criticizing people for what there is no free speech. We're in a civil war because when there's no more civility, you're in a civil war. When half the people don't want to follow the rules, you're in a civil war. We're in a civil war, my God. Okay? And we'll see how it goes. But on the other hand, Michael, you know, well, when you read my Q article on my website, you'll get all the basic stuff. But if what I see with it fills me with hope. It's moves, counter moves. We're a long way from a big victory, a long, long way. The globalists are so heavily entrenched in everything. It's like an evil octopus. It's got its tentacles in everything and everywhere and at many different levels of the government. So Dmitry Rogozin uh, was right about America being under the Second American Civil mm-hmm. War. That's uh, what he said from the Roscosmos when he canceled his trip uh, to America. He's absolutely here. right. We are in the Second American Civil War. That's what he claims. All right, and how far does it have to go from crazy girls, you know, screaming at Congress, people in Congress in the elevator? Look what we have with people punching him, this guy in Chicago with this stunt that he pulls, and he gets a pass. Obviously, it's totally political nonsense. Oh, you mean Jesse Smollett? Jesse Smollett. And so we're seeing this. We are in a civil war, and... You know, we don't know how it's going to play, but Serapis Bay told me 10 years ago. By the way, Marshall, did they ever catch... If we don't claim our (laughs) right, we don't have it. And we're claiming our right. God bless us. People are standing up and we're claiming (laughs) our freedom. Uh, By the way, Marshall, do you know if they ever caught those two marauders wearing MAGA uh, hats yelling, this is MAGA country? I don't know, you know, but... Well, they turn out to be Nigerian. I didn't, didn't, you know, I kind of (laughs) follow... Whatever, but you know, there's going to be the provocateurs, imposters. They're doing anything they can. They're, and you know what? It doesn't work because the people who are following MAGA, they understand everything that's happening because it's been happening to them for 20 years. And everyone who's angry at them has been profiting off of their misery. And all of a sudden's going, what the hell is it with these uppity people? Right. And they don't understand them. They don't understand what makes them work. Doesn't understand. They don't understand what makes them tick. It's the reason why they, as negative as they are with the fake news coverage, which is absolutely horrendous. It's sick. And they still can't break it. Because when you give people 20 years of losing their jobs, losing their children in pointless wars, losing their hope for the future, and now they finally have somebody who's going to get out there and do something for them. It's a game changer, and they know what they know. When people know what they know and they organize, you can't break them. And that's what's happening. And so I see it, and I just 
God bless these people because they walk with God. You can't be in the MAGA movement and be an atheist and be ugly and be sinister and be mean. You can pretend to be in the movement, but the people that are really in it are good people. Oh, the ugly people just got offended. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I hear you, though. I understand completely, and I'm with you on all points there, Marshall. And I do want to say... Uh, this has certainly been an interesting conversation, as they usually are, Marshall. It's always an honor and pleasure to have you on the program. I think you've probably been a guest on here more so than a lot of guests. I think the only person who's been on here more than you is, I believe, is Jim Fetzer. Mm -hmm. I think he's the only one who has more episodes in here than you. Wow. All right. Well, I'm up there in the right neck of the woods. I believe so, too. And Marshall, go ahead and plug anything you'd like before we cut you loose here. Folks, you got to have valuable skills if you're going to get through what's coming ahead. Please go to RadioFreeEarth.org. I put up a hundred, over 100 minutes of free instruction to help you get started so that you can understand it's how easy it is for you to start getting two-way communications because you're going to need it for you and for your loved ones. But it is a skill that if you possess it or understand how to use it, it's going to make you very valuable to communities that will be forming up in the future. Please go check it out. That's Marshall Masters. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to his website, yaousa.com. For more information, get his books, all great information uh, in his books, ladies and gentlemen. That is very true. Marshall, I do want to thank you again for being a part of the program and sharing your time with all of us here. My pleasure, Michael. I always enjoy with you. Me too. It's always a great time. Whenever yeah. I talk to you, Marshall, the time just flies right by when you're here. That's right. You know, one day, Michael, you and I got to go get a couple of fishing lines and a bucket of suds, sit on a pier, and talk our hearts out. I agree, Marshall. I would love to do that. That sounds like a great idea, and I do look forward to that. And I'm I'm not just saying that because we're on the air. I would definitely do that with you. Absolutely. That'd be a fun. Absolutely. Hell yes. Yeah. So, so, Marshall, once again, thank you so much, and I hope you get some rest tonight. I know it's pretty late over there. Yeah, but this is what I do. Oh, yes. No good deed goes unpunished yet again, Marshall. <laughs> okay alright my friend take take care and get some rest out there will do alright will do mahalo mahalo and there he goes ladies and gentlemen that was Mr. Marshall Masters a great guest a great person had a great time here and I'm looking at the time I was going to go on a little break but we ran out of time here tonight folks isn't that unfortunate it is very unfortunate now before I wrap up tonight, I did want to give you guys a bit of a heads up. I plan to do more shows during the week. However, some of those shows will be exclusive and only be for Patreon members only. I will be bringing back the TuneIn station that's on the TuneIn radio app. The shows will be aired there live, but they won't be on YouTube or on the podcast version of the program. I really didn't want to go down this route. However, it would help the longevity of this program financially. Do not worry. I still will be releasing free shows every Saturday. Those shows will be free. Always will be free. I, do, I really enjoy doing these shows and enjoy seeing all of you out there talking amongst each other 
and complain about this or that or enjoying this or that. The exclusive content will be completely unfiltered and uncensored, and there will be no way of having those episodes pulled Larry Silverstein style. If you do enjoy this program and care about the program, it's time to actually donate and support this project. I do need your help. I used to have the notion that I could do this all on my own. However, that's nonsense. That's unrealistic. You really can't do anything on your own completely these days. You will always need a few others in the long run. And I never had anyone's help. And when I say things like that, I don't mean in regards to the listeners who actually have helped. I'm talking about those in higher positions that I know who could possibly help me out on various things. But they choose not to. They rather choose to steal my material. This is another way to prevent this sort of thing from happening, boys and girls. I wouldn't have to be asking you for any donations, which I don't think you should be having to, given the fact that YouTube was once my primary driving factor to all of this. However, being demonetized time and time again, it's not your fault, of course, boys and girls. I'm not blaming you. This all goes back to one group of individuals out there who harass and cyberstock those who don't align with their ideologies. It's quite sad that it's gone down like this, my friends. But that's the sad reality that we are facing here. This is the same group who has been quite problematic. The same group that's gone after Halbig and Fetzer. They have done their best to also harass this YouTube channel. That's why I had to upload content on a separate channel. So again, if you really do care about this program, show your support for once. The address is patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. One more time, patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And Deacon is spelled D-E-C-O-N. I see some people out there actually spell it wrong. No, that's not the right way, my friends. Now, it's time to close up here, and I do want to thank all of you out there who actually tuned in here tonight. And those who will be listening on a replay, keep in mind, can find this program live every Saturday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on YouTube. I would like all of you actually to come in here one of these days. You are missing the live experience of the program. So much goes on during the little live shows here. And it's always a fun time. And of course, I'd like to thank those at Deprogrammed Radio and coming right up. Also, those in the chat room, thank you for being here. Like I said, keep in mind, if you enjoy the program and want to help fund the program, please go to michaeldeacon.com, right-hand side of the screen. You can also donate right there. You don't have to go to Patreon. But remember, if you do go to patreon.com, and throw in $5, I'll be supplying the digital crack. Again, i like to thank all of you for listening to this. Remember, you can catch the podcast version of the program on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, CastBox. There's a few more, but you can find the program on all popular media platforms. Just look for the purple all Eye logo. Ignore the rest. They are inferior products and even worse people at that. Thank you over at the Fringe FM. I'm Michael Deacon. Thanks for being here. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place. And life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.
we're looking at a remarkable idea. An idea that has intrigued and attracted and literally thrilled thousands upon thousands of men, women, and children. And you, my friends, are about to witness this idea become a reality. For this is the story of the miracle sea in the desert. Michael Deacon, Yeah. <laughs> 